so stupid. He comes across in front of me every single time. That's a Bentley Continental and the GTLM class of Daytona. That's 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 big M8. This is gonna be a strange episode of Motorsport 101. Hello everybody, remember me when I used to host this podcast? It's Andre Harrison, welcome back to episode 231 of Motorsport 101. Good to see you everybody, and with me this week, as always, Ryan Eric King, hello sir. Hello, I'd just like to let everyone know that I did see a Ford Ganassi 4GT livery on a Corvette. And it has scarred me for life. King, if you ignore it, it'll just go away. It it won't, Cam! It won't! (laughs) (laughs) Um, While King arranges his deep and long sense of counselling, RJ O'Connell is here. Hello, sir. Hello. Uh, Good to be back. And we have Cam Buckley here as well. Hello, sir. Hello, everyone. New laptop boy here. Back in business, baby! <laughs> he doesn't have to. He, he doesn't have to like wrench his computer into gear for them for him to suddenly uh, f- find a way to get Audacity working on a mic. Aren't we all lucky? <sighs> yeah, sorry, he's having a moment here. Uh, we, on our newly organised Discord server, we now have a car porn section. Um, th- we might get distracted over the course of this podcast. Let's let's just say that. Um, Socks and uh, boxes of tissue. Look, I think we can provide. all appreciate some mechanical smut at the car. <laughs> that was that. That's, that's what we were originally going to call the uh, the server. Uh, my suggestion was thrown out. I'm not going to say what it was. You better um, not say what it. <laughs> <laughs> that may or may not be a hint as to what I may have nicknamed it. You'll have to join the look, server to find look, out about that. Look, look, um, we've all bonded together over football and American football. Um, racing season is kicking off, finally, um, it's, it's a good time. It's an interesting time, certainly, and hey, you know, if you want to put an invite in to join our Discord server on the Simbin, knock yourselves out, we'll get you in here, we, we just, we just had a recent spring cleaning, it's all reorganised, extra spaces, we've got, we've even got bots with automatic news feeds on them, it's very neat. They've even got cute logos and stuff. It's lovely. Um, We even have a meme quarantine. And yes, it's exactly what you'd expect. Yes. The latest latest post in there is a post that literally says, Charlton (laughs) butt-butt. To find the context behind that, you're going to have to join it and find out. So if you want to get an invite for that, just let any one of us hosts know, and we will hook you up with a link. That's me. Um, RJ King or Cam, we all have privileges now where we can send out invites. Hey, come along in and join the fun. It's it's a fun time for all involved. And by fun, I mean, well, it's a sin bin. So what do you expect, really? Anarchy generally rules the day. Um, on this episode of Motorsport 101, it's the sports car edition. Um, or as I like to call it in this edition, what's that coming over the hill? Is it a big mate? Yes, it's a big mate. Um, and uh, it's a sports car edition. We'll be catching up with all the news first and foremost, but we have two big winter sports car dashes. The Daytona 24 hours, um, Rolexes may or may not have been handed out afterwards. And part two, the Bar First 12 hours, which may or may not have involved kangaroos. 
No, seriously. That was kangaroos on track. It was cute and hilarious. And uh, a little bit, for a little bit tragic. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Oh, Ball you skipping. don't know. You don't know. I don't know yet. So actually, I'm actually quite looking forward to that and finding out more. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're, not, you're not looking forward to it. Oh, we'll see. Um, and a whole heap of news from MotoGP and a surprising re-emergence um, of a name on the grid you may have forgotten about after the last three months. Formula One and, a, and the return of a very iconic brand who can only do better than the last time they were in Formula One. Probably. Um, IndyCar, and we have a Motorsport 101 award winner joining the paddock for, for a one-off round in the 2020 season and a couple of seat reshuffles to talk about there as well. Some more junior formula roundups, World Superbikes, which starts in a couple of weeks' time, Portimao testing, and the Rev Limit spreadsheet for 2020. Ooh. And Formula E, where we looks like we're down a race, at least in Formula E anyway. Maybe even more than that. More on that later on in the show. Um, but places you can find us real quick before we get into the real nitty gritty. We're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. I did a video last week. Isn't that fun? Talking all about Yamaha and their early shenanigans into MotoGP silly season. Um, because, uh, yeah, the Yamaha camp has exploded in the last in the last week and a half or so. And it's, uh, it's, it's very spicy. We'll get into that right on the top of the news section. So I'll be talking about that. Oh, and if you want to keep up to date with my thoughts on the whole silly season as it goes down, you can go to my website site motorsport101.com in the blog section it's a sticky post it will always be on the top of the page as long as this continues but it is a MotoGP silly season running diary so as it goes on over the weeks and months I'll keep updating my thoughts on the grid and the silly season as it goes on starting with Maverick Vinales on uh, on January 28th and it continues and it's already we've already got three pretty uh big names on there to talk about confirmed already for 2021 and beyond so that should be uh that should be a fun port, port of call for everybody involved there as well i also put my top 10 drivers of the decade list on there as well and an article about ben stokes because i had to get some cricket in there somewhere because i'm british it's just what we do around here <laughs> so all of that on the blog section on motorsport101.com we're on facebook.com forward slash motorsport101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 and if you'd like to follow if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, at RJ O'Connell, um, and at CBuckley917, just yank out of the vowels, you'll figure it out. Um, and if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We have a record number of backers at the moment, so thank you all very much for choosing to support us. Your support is much, much appreciated. Um, it is... Um, bigger than ever over the off-season, which is wild. So thank you all very, very much indeed for all your ongoing support, especially given it's Christmas. You know, times are tough. We all know that. But guys, keep chipping in. So very, very much appreciated indeed. I'm just going to pull up as well. Let's just check in my list in front of me. Zale Atkins. Big thanks to Zale on that one as a new Patreon backer. And Joe Set's back as well. So thanks to Joe Set. Much appreciated for all your support. As always, you guys are the best. Thank you. Um, Five dollars if you back us on Patreon gets you early access to all of our shows, um, and ten dollars gets you into the supporters special club of the Discord server where you can listen to these shows live as they're being recorded and have a direct influence on this shit housery. Um, shout out to Vic, to Tony, and to Vince for all who are sitting in as always. Thanks you guys for tuning in. Hope you guys enjoy the show tonight. 
And uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. So, after this quick musical break, we'll be back to talk about the news at the top of the show. Yeah, there's a lot to get through. Let's get cracking. Brief disclaimer, Motorsport 101 and Andre Harrison do not find enjoyment out of vehicular violence against kangaroos. Headline in the news this week, we're going to be talking a lot about MotoGP. Is it Drew McIntyre winning the Royal Rumble? I know, Sam, right? That was, that was crazy. That was killer. Sick Claymore <laughs> kick, bro. Um, but uh, I love that Claymore kick. And uh, the, I, I take deep satisfaction in Brock Lesnar being kicked in the face in any and all circumstances. <laughs> I would but take no, deep it, satisfaction in Boris and Donald being pushed into the hashtag Snickers hole that was conceived over the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. Snickers I, I is not a sponsor of Motorsport 101, but you could be, cowards. <laughs> Before this new segment goes completely off the rails, I'm going to rein it back in and talk about MotoGP for a little bit here. Now, as we've alluded to in the past, silly season in MotoGP seems to be getting earlier and earlier these days. Um, it's getting to a point where we might have a quarter of the grid confirmed before we even turn a proper wheel in anger uh, as the 2020 season starts. And it all started last week at the time of recording, January 28th. The first major domino fell. Maverick Vinales confirming a two-year extension with the factory Yamaha team. Everybody, surprised? Yay? No, 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 no surprises surprised there. At all. But what about the other ride? Well, yeah, Ross is coming back, right? It's guaranteed, right? Um, well, um about that, um, we were all, everybody started immediately speculating. Well, who's Maverick's teammate going to be? Um, it's probably going to be Valentino, right? Or is it? You know, could it be somebody else? And it took Yamaha basically 16 hours to break the internet by saying, "Oh yeah, we're bumping up Fabio for next year. How about that? Huh? <laughs> How do you like them apples?" El Diablo. <laughs> El Diablo himself, Fabio Quattararo, confirmed alongside Maverick Vinales. So Yamaha not only became the first team to reveal a rider for 2021, they've also been the first fully completed team in 2021 as well. And uh, yeah, I, the first words of the running diary in this section were literally, fuck me, that was fast. Um, <laughs> like, um, less than 24 hours after Maverick put his new deal on the paper, we got a picture of Fabio Quattararo in a t-shirt, two sizes too big for him, signing a new deal to join the factory Yamaha team a year later. I mean, guys, pretty much a no-brainer here, really, wasn't it? They had Definitely. to secure him. They had to. I mean, the way I see it, he was probably going to be the number one potential free agent on the board going into 2021. I think most people are gonna are pretty adamant that uh, Mark Marquez will will resign at Honda. In fact, Marquez said today, a uh, day after their their 2020 uh, Honda was revealed, the uh, nepotism team itself of Repsol Honda, he said he's already in talks with HRC. I think the only matter is going to be how many zeros are on the end of the paycheck. Uh, and whether a certain other Hermanos Marquez is involved. Mm. Or, you know, whether they get traded to the Dodgers for virtually nothing. Shut the <laughs> fuck up, RJ. <laughs> <laughs> What's good, Mookie? <laughs> It was a certain Red Sox fan angered by this news. 
And Cam's having a breakdown. Um, lovely. So, uh, so, where does my team, KTM, fit into this 2021 outlook? Nobody you cares. You don't. <laughs> Next, I care about I care about you, King. But we, but for the purpose of discussion, KTM is a non-factor for now. For now. But what about Relax. Patronus Yamaha? Well, mm. here's the thing. This is interesting because Valentina Rossi came out publicly on the record last month and said um, that, you know, he was open to the idea of going to the Patronus Yamaha independent team to prolong his, to quote, prolong his career. Now, this is a man that turns 41 this month. Um... And people were saying, well, well, Rossi might retire. And I'm like, does this sound like a man who's retiring to you? Because I don't think it does. Um, regarding Valentino, obviously he's walked away. Obviously he's been basically given the heave-ho by Lennon Jarvis for the second time in his MotoGP career. Um, the story goes, according to Valentino, that Yamaha said to Valley, are you ready to make a decision on your future? Um, Rossi said no, and Yamaha was like, "All right, boys, bring him in." Uh, <laughs> and uh, they basically given Valentino Rossi things some thinking time. It's like you know, basically they said, "Hey, Valley, uh, take as long as you need, basically, to decide your future." Yamaha's already made a guarantee to Valentino that uh, if he wants to stick around in the sport next year. Um, and ride a Yamaha, um, they will give him full factory support, regardless of what team he rides for, as long as the bike is a Yamaha. So, uh, yeah, this is a big deal still, in in, in this sense, because, uh, well, now, Rossi's got a guaranteed, he's got a guaranteed supporting Yamaha deal for 2021, if he wants it, basically. The question is, on what exactly? Because it won't be the it won't be the, the factory team. No. Now I asked, um, like we asked Simon Patterson about this. Now he made his LinkedIn page public, and we we, we now know for sure, even though I kind of knew already, he was up Patronus's PR desk um, last <laughs> year, and he told me straight up on Twitter there is no chance Valentino Rossi rides for Patronus in twenty twenty one. But would so, he ride for VR forty six? Oh, well, there it is. Because it, you know, back in the olden days of Bike Live, it came up when uh, Dorna and FIM announced that the the field limit for MotoGP would be twenty four bikes. We're we're still not there yet, but they also left in the clause that hey, if Valentino Rossi were to want to enter in a VR46 team bike, that bike would be uh, exempted from the 24 bike field limit. <laughs> I love and... this. They have a clause for one dude. <laughs> yes, they have a yes. clause for one dude. We're not at the one limit, so it's not, a, it's not a problem. But it, it really feels like Dorno really want really wants Rossi to remain in MotoGP if Rossi wants to continue riding in MotoGP. I mean, really, what gave it away? I mean, the fact <laughs> that we are going to, to literally reserve a portion of the grid for you. I mean, let's just say we all know, like, a lot of people in Dorna's head office owe that man a check um, due to the publicity he's brought to the sport. We all know it. He's the most important rider in, in motorsports, you know, in, in maybe in the history of motorsport because he single-handedly put MotoGP on his back in the early 2000s and dragged that son of a bitch to where it is now. Um... 
yeah, I think this is the closest we've come yet to the true possibility of Rossi bringing up the Sky, the Sky Racing VR46 team and having a presence maybe even in all three categories of the sport we know, uh, MotoGP, Moto2, and Moto3. Um, that's a very real possibility. So, um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see how Rossi plays it. Now, he says he normally decides mid-season on these sorts of things. Um, Michello. It will totally be at Michello. Um, normally, he says he decides until Europe before making a call on these sorts of things. Michello. Um So, I would say... I, I, I'm just throwing that out there. By the time this goes live, like tickets are now on sale for the Italian Grand Prix. I'm just saying something significant might get announced during that race. Marcello. Yeah, Valentino um, Rossi is going to do an ad for Hulu Sports. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, but uh, yeah, all I'm saying is you might want to get to the Italian Grand Prix this year. Just throwing that possibility out there. Um, so yeah, Valentino Rossi's been given some thinking time uh, to decide his future. I mean, who knows what that man's thinking at this point. Um, but it's funny, we had to wait a few more days for this one. A couple of days later, we get we, we fast forward in our three days to February 1st. And uh, Yamaha announces another rider has joined their outfit. And it's a one... You probably know and love, it's Jorge Lorenzo is back as a test rider. Oh my god! The prodigal son returns. And honestly, if you've, if anyone else has, has seen the social media footage, it's like a kid at Christmas. It's like, Lorenzo's home! Daddy's come home! <laughs> anyone put your hands up if you're surprised. No, no, you weren't. Put your hand down at the back, not unless you're a member of Valentino Rossi's direct family and you're a liar. Um, <laughs> no, look, this, this this is not a surprise. Like, when he actually announced his retirement um, at Valencia last year, I distinctively remember he actually, he actually gave a good 10-minute interview um, to BT Sport. I think that's because um, he and Susie Perry, their lead anchor, are very good friends and have been for a long time. Um... And he gave him a good 10 minutes of his time post immediately post retirement. So, you know, good journalism from BT Sport, I have to say. Um, and he always left the door open for a return. Um, he said, look, if Yamaha, uh, he was, I think it was Michael Laverty, um, who's part of their punditry, punditry full time now, who turned around to Jorge and said, look, if Yamaha gave you a test opportunity, would you, would you do it? And Lorenzo was kind of coy about the whole thing. But he left the door very much open for a test in return. And, well, to the surprise of precisely no one, here we are, <laughs> basically. And, yeah, like I said, kid at Christmas for Lorenzo, back on a Yamaha. He said, he described this, because they did their first day of testing at Sapango as a private test. Um, and he described the day as, uh, quote, almost perfect. Oh, you, <laughs> know, you know he, uh, he went Yamaha. through one corner on that M1. It's like, baby, I'm so sorry I left you. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he had the choice. I think he was pushed. But I don't think he was. I walked out before he was pushed because that whole riff with Rossi at the time. Yeah, oh, he, pro he probably heard word. Hey, Rossi isn't going to be here in 2021. <laughs> All you got to do is put up with him for like a year. I mean, again, I talked to Simon Patterson about this, and he said straight up that. Uh, Apparently, a lot of the tension between the two of them has cooled over the last three, four years. And that's good. Um, 
um, apparently they are back on speaking terms. That and, tends and, to uh, happen when you're not hitting each, o- each other with increasingly large chairs fighting for a championship. <laughs> right. I mean, even on Lorenzo's own Instagram story, he put a picture of himself talking to Valentino in racing gear and the quote, legends back together. Um, let's not forget, as teammates, those two won five world championships combined. Um, it is the best team in the history of the sports by by uh, any measure. And yeah, Lorenzo just looks really happy to be back. And look, as a guy that we had a lot of empathy for when he did hang up the gloves towards the end of last year, it is genuinely nice to see a a happy Lorenzo again. Um, I know a lot of people immediately pointed out, um, hang on a minute, (laughs) why is Lorenzo giving away tickets to the the, uh, Catalan Grand Prix (laughs) later this season? Uh, I know... I know Julian Ryder was very quick to point this out, which I thought was quite funny. Um, I, I, I think because the, the, the Hinton has been has been talking about wildcard spots. I really don't think Honda would have let him void and null his contract without some sort of no no compete clause in there. But how long is said no compete clause? It could be six months. I... They could just they probably could have been not smart enough to consider that he would be a wild card. Maybe they assumed that he would take a race seat somewhere and had a no-compete clause against a full-time deal. Honda doesn't want him just showing up on AEW Double or Nothing without seeing out this no-complete clause. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, is it, is, it, is, it, is it the WWE? Is it the 90-day? No oh, no. And we were going full wrestling comparisons. Like, Rossi, Rossi and Lorenzo being back together is like seeing Rated RKO back. Again, was that before or after the surprise chair shot? Uh, this is before. Get back to me at some point during the season when Rossi says something about Lorenzo. Sure, why not? Um, so yes, Lorenzo back at home, uh, with Yamaha as a test rider. You love to see it, etc. Also, as, as Scott Redden quite uh quite happily pointed out on Instagram because Redden is such a maverick. I kind of I love him for that to a degree. He pointed out. Pull one out for Jonas Volga, who was their test oh, rider beforehand. Damn, man, they did him dirty he, like that. Yeah, they. Uh, he just come back from that awful illness that basically had to end his race career as we knew it, um, off the back of a really solid rookie campaign. Got back to Yamaha as a test rider, only to be pushed out the door again for Lorenzo. Pour one out for Jonas Volga, everybody. Um, nice to see him. Nice to see Lorenzo back, though, I'll be lying. One more major deal to confirm as well. Again, this has come from Sky Sports over in Italy. Alex Rins, staying the Suzuki for another two years. Um, again, nice. not, not a major surprise. Um, apparently, and this has been a bit of a running theme of the last uh, couple of weeks... Ducati were apparently trying very hard to bring Alex Rins into the team, as well as Maverick Vignola, something that we hinted at towards the end of last season. We said that a Ducati maybe were considering Maverick Vignola, given his riding style would be a good fit for Ducati. They didn't get Maverick, they tried to get Alex Rins, they didn't get Alex Rins either. Rins is staying put at Suzuki for another two years. Um, apparently heavy rumours as well that Mir will also sign another two years. So, so it looks like Suzuki's going to keep the line-up. No, not, I've not heard any confirmation on Mir just yet, but heavy rumours suggesting he's staying as well for another two years as well. So four years together with uh, Rins and Mir, their team of the future. Or in this case, in the case of Rins, very much the present after a couple of the wins he had <laughs> last season. Um, I want... Like... like 
I don't know about you guys, right? But I look at Jakati and I go, what's wrong with Jack Miller? Um, <laughs> he had to have said something to one of the members of management and the team. He has nudes of Delinia's wife. That has to be the only Like, that has to be the only explanation because I honestly don't know what you want. You'd think Based that'd be reason what? to bring him into the team. Keep him happy. <laughs> right, right. Like, honestly, it's like... Petrux's job was hanging by a thread by the end of last season. There was already rumblings about a swap between Petrux and Miller towards the end of last season. And, like, Delinia came out today and said as a quote, we're not in a hurry uh, to uh, make free agent signings. Um, Petrucci's drop in form cost them the team's championship. Easily. And it's not even close. He got beat the, by the, one man. And that that's the funny thing about it. He literally said afterwards, um, we're under no pressure um, to sign any new riders because some guys perform well under pressure, was the quote he came out with. Hmm. Wonder who that was referencing. Um, so, <laughs> Petrix, uh, your job's, on, your job's on, the, on the line here, basically, for the first five rounds. Good luck with that. Um, like, that is... Um, that's clear that uh, what's go- what's going to happen is that Jakati uh, might. I think I think it's going to be a straight choice between uh, between Miller and Petrix for the second factory Jakati seat, and I think Pramac would happily take Petrix back if it came down to it because they loved him in that team. Oh yeah, he was like a he was like a prodigal son. Um, so you know we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But uh, that's pretty much all the major MotoGP moves so far. Again, as mentioned, motorsport101.com forward slash Dre's MotoGP City Season. Stick it in there. You can keep up to date with my running thoughts as the window goes on. But we've already got one confirmed. As we speak, we are awaiting the verdict on the Andrea Iannone incident. Yes, it got pushed back 10 days. We were meant to, we were meant to get it here in January 4th yesterday. As, as the day we recorded this, we recorded this on Jan 5th. We were meant to get a verdict on his on his uh, trial today. Turns out, I think the rumor is, is that they had another test via a hair sample. Because I believe hair can actually determine whether you've got cocaine in your system. And uh, apparently that came up clear, so they've had to push the set. They've had to, they've had to push it back ten days, basically. And uh, I'm pretty sure you meant anabolic steroids, <laughs> yeah. not cocaine. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, what? keep that in, and I'll tell you why. Because Julian Ryder put a great tweet about this the other day, where he said, "Hang on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it just so I know I'm absolutely sure that I, that I that I saw this. Hang on, I've got this. Here we go. Just scrolling down." Um, yes, you did read that Ian Oni story correctly. He spent last night celebrating his girlfriend's birthday in a restaurant called The Doping Club. <laughs> this man oh. couldn't be any more on brand if he tried. <laughs> <laughs> it's not possible. Does, does, anybody, does anybody have a counter response for that? Because I don't... Y'all, I, y'all, I, say, I, he's, y'all say he's ultra-canceled. I say obliged to stand. <laughs> <laughs> Just straight up it's not also- giving a fuck. It's also worth noting, on Aprilia Watch with their brand new bike, Alicia Spargaro yeah. rode it, and it just going through his head, oh, thank God. <laughs> I mean, sure, it only takes the bike looking like you could paste a, a weird photo of Joey Wheeler's face upon it to get it to work right. Yeah, it's got a picnic table for wings now. 
Yeah, I, I, did, I did a little bit of extra digging on the anti-doping situation in Viannone real quick as well. The B sample also failed. We know we know that from beforehand. Um, yes. So, so that that, that really... episode where I said, "Hey, get the B sample out." Now, in retrospect, that was a little brash of me, assuming that <laughs> it would it would come out negative and this would all be over. <laughs> yeah. T- t- turns out, yeah, yeah. Turns out the B sample failed too. So that obviously rules out any chance of contamination. Um, basically, Ianoni's now claiming that a strand of hair sample from September i.e. a month before he was actually tested, um, his, his, his best chance of uh, getting a chain of custody. Um, so, yeah, he won't ride in Sepang's test next week um, um, as a result of this, and as a result of this, his, his case has been deferred for 10 days. Um, basically, good luck with that. Um, and as Simon Patterson added it here as well, FIM tend to give one-year bans if anyone accepts basically accidental or recreational use of basically any sort of steroid or basically recreational drug like we saw with Anthony West um, last year mm-hmm. so basically if Ian Emney's found guilty at best he's getting two years probably oh, four because that's normally the sentence and, and even if he gets the lower ban I mean with his age and the current still situation yeah, his career will he, he'll be done in this town. And then if he does race outside of like a sanctioned FIM championship, as we're seeing with Anthony West, um, they're just gonna push back that ban and keep pushing back that ban and keep withholding it until they see fit. Yeah, mm. pretty much. So, and yeah, and uh, it's a messy one. But more on that next episode because by the time we record the next episode of the show, we'll have known his verdict. We promise. Um, we promise, but RJ, y- your man's over in the US. So we've got some TV news, and we it's great news. Ha- yeah, on January 28th, the news broken by Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal that NBC Sports has signed both MotoGP and World Superbike. They buried World Superbikes in the lead, but MotoGP is coming back to an actual television channel. Uh, they'll yes. add all 20 rounds. Some of them will be on tape delay. Uh, a select few of them will be shown live. Some of them will be on network television. A lot of it's going to be like leading into or leading out of NASCAR races. But y'all, it's great to have MotoGP back on domestic television for a change. And you can still watch the races live on Video Pass if you are so inclined to do so. Yeah, it's going to be NBC getting three races on tape delay and NBCSN, their cable network career, five races live. Yes, we get to see the FIM MotoGP World Championships alongside the games of the 32nd Olympiad on the networks of NBC. It's about damn time. That was so slick, King. I mean, really. Well, what, what, what delivery? What, what, what grace? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, awesome. we have been like, we have I'm, been saddled watching MotoGP through totally legal means for a long time because no one here can afford being sports. Only the most premium of premium cable subscriptions. So, Dre, I did the numbers over the weekend at how much a month it would cost me to watch be in sports, and that would that was technically the only legal way for me to watch MotoGP on television till now, and the cost was a hundred forty one, a hundred forty five dollars a month. Oh my gosh! <laughs> That's I'm guessing for the lowest. Month. I'm guessing for the <laughs> lowest possible cable package you can get that carries the channel. 
Which is uh, to say, so, it's one of the highest ones you no, can it, get. It is the highest. It be, they don't offer B in sports in any of the lower packages. You have to get the most premium of premium networks on the former cable company owned by New York's Nick owner James Dolan. Once again, oh, James Dolan, Dolan doing it to the man. Of, of course, it was Dolan. What a surprise! It's always <laughs> James Dolan, without fail. Oh, what a shitter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you got 145 bucks a month. That's, uh, I could think of a thousand different things that I, that I would rather spend 145 bucks a month on. And, uh, yeah, the premium cable channels are not one of them. Uh, that, that's, that's a lot of money. So, hey, the Americans actually get a proper TV deal. You'd love to see it. Great to hear, because, you know, it's the best motorsport in the world as far as I'm concerned, and the Americans deserve to see it too. Somehow. King, talk to me about some Formula One. Yes, Formula One times are, are changing. Uh, let's see, where do we begin with Formula 1? Do we talk about the team that I love to watch be a chaotic yellow nightmare, Renault? Um, I think, I think we're gonna start with that one, how they announced their 2020 Driver Academy, but obviously they keep their Driver Academy separate from their test and development program, but it was made aware that a certain driver wouldn't be returning to the test program, and that was... Jack Aiken, and uh, I like Jack Aiken, a lot of people like Jack Aiken, and Jack Aiken is notably a British driver, and where do befallen British F1 drivers go nowadays? Uh, They go to to the WC. Now they're going to Williams, (laughs) they're going to Williams, so alongside the likes of Dan Tictum and Roy Nissany, Jack Aiken, the only one with uh, a fully-fledged super license, will be Williams' reserve driver this season. And they've already promised him FP1 performances as well later later on in the season. So, um, you know, you'll you'll be seeing him in an F1 car for realsies later on in the year. For realsies, for realsies. And also in British F1 news, a big British F1 name might be returning to restore their heavily tarnished legacy. Let's what, not Jack talk Warrick? about their... <laughs> no, worse. Oh. Is it worse. Lotus? Is it Lotus? Is it Lotus for the Wait. fourth time? Worse. Uh, TVR. Worse. Uh, hmm. How do you get British worse Le- TVR? Br- British Leyland? <laughs> oh, Christ. MG <laughs> Rover. So, this team had a brief stint in Formula 1 in pretty much might be forever ago. It was 1959 to 1960. Yes, and uh, they never entered a full season. Uh, They actually never scored any points. Yeah, I was going to say, the reason why they never entered a full season is because (laughs) this company decided, hell, for F1, we'll just chop the fenders off our sports car. That'll work, right? That'll work. It was the it, last car to not feature fully independent rear suspension. That'll work, right? So, just to let everyone know which company this is, the cars they entered over the two seasons were the DBR4 and the DBR5. 
One of them was driven by Carol Shelby. Yes, that Carol Shelby. You know, <laughs> the guy, Shelby. you know, the Matt Damon character from Lamar 66. <laughs> you know, performances is business. And business is good. Aston Martin is back. They're going to basically repackage Racing Point into Aston Martin starting in 2021 because Daddy Stroll himself, with his big stacks of cash, bought into Aston Martin and now wants to make it an F1 team. A fully-fledged one. No longer just attached to Red Bull. Pfft, that's for losers. So, believe it or not, uh, a part of the... 10-year factory partnership Aston Martin will have with uh, the team that is currently Racing Point, they signed a five-year extension with Red Bull. Don't know what that what the new partnership with Red Bull means. This is going to be basically like helping Aston Martin develop their hypercar project, if I recall. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to start delivering the Valkyries later on in the year. Yeah, they're going to pull the Aston Martin stickers off of the Aston Martin Red Bull Hondas. That's a mouthful. And uh, I, I assume it will just transition to being just a partnership between Aston Martin and Red Bull Technologies, not the race team. Yes. Yes. And uh, it is an absurdly high number when we talk about the money that that Lawrence Stroll and friends are going to put into Aston Martin. Oh, it's, it's big money. Give me that so... deposit, Daddy Stroll. <laughs> Moving on! Don't you ever, <laughs> ever say that again. <laughs> Honestly, if Lawrence Stroll is offering me that kind of money, I probably would say the same words, because Lawrence Stroll and friends are investing half a billion pounds into Aston Martin. Billion with a B. <laughs> billion with yes. a B, everyone. Billion with a B. That's a lot of money. So, uh, Lawrence Stroll takes pretty much complete control over Aston Martin. He bought 16.7% of the company for about uh, 182 million pounds. And a part of the deal about him becoming the head of the company is that he'll invest, uh, you know, another large sum of money into the company over a period of time. But I think he had to give, like... 50 million pounds immediately at the point of sale but over i think over the length of the agreement it'll in total be 500 million pounds he is throwing around some big stacks big stacks that aston martin needed apparently and now this will ensure that aston martin can see out their uh, their project for another top class which we'll talk about in a bit and also ensures that Hey, we get another team with a uh, factory presence next year. So, uh, just just so we're clear, uh, when Aston Martin became a publicly traded company in 2018, their their total value was 4.5 billion dollars. This amounts to a good chunk of change. Uh, based on to based on the value at the sales, it shrunk tremendously to only a down to one billion dollars lord stroll is upping the value of the company by a third see forbes magazine you can hire us as our as your motorsport <laughs> financial experts you don't need to hire anybody else on your payroll though uh large part of this deal why they needed the money immediately was uh aston martin had sold about uh eighteen thousand of their new vehicle as a 
I'll, I'll leave the DBX Aston Martin's first SUV. Oh, I hate it. But I hate it so isn't, much. Isn't it, isn't it that Carlos Santana wine? <laughs> oh no! But they they didn't they didn't have the funds to build all of the vehicles. Now they do have the money uh, to to sell all these vehicles, and I think the total value of the sale was like around uh, a quarter. Uh, like a quarter million pounds they just couldn't get because they couldn't build the cars. Each sip hits my lips like a landmine. <laughs> but yeah, can't wait for it. 2021, Aston Martin comes back to Formula One to hopefully score more than zero points. Which was zero! Right. <laughs> okay, other Formula One news. Y'all, y'all heard that uh, a lot of people in the British press said that Mercedes were going to quit, and then people in the German press were like, what are you talking about? We go through this, like, I, I swear, it's every two months. I think it's That's... just people who really want Mercedes to stop winning, and they're just trying to figure out any way. Yeah, that was a bit of a shitstorm when racefans.net put out a piece saying that Mercs were having a crisis talk to whether they wanted to pull out at the end of the season or not, and... Yeah, Daimler had to very quickly um, poo-poo that talk about a day later. Um, <laughs> not much to really say, really, about it besides, you know... Yeah, oh God, we've established really multiple times. It is literally good business for Mercedes to stay in F1. They're making money on this. Yeah, like, their market, the marketing value they estimate on, on Merck's being in Formula 1 is in the billions. Like, I still remember to this day, they spent $270 million developing their car, their first hybrid in 2014, and they said, oh, we put the marketing value on it at about two bills, so we don't mind making a loss on this. The team lost $80 million that year. Yeah, not only are the team making a profit, the team is paying it for itself in advance. Yeah. Yeah, because just, just on paper, Mercedes are, like, one of only, what, two or three teams that makes money by being in Formula 1. There's no reason for them to leave. And I get the reason, like, oh, other manufacturers have gotten into Formula E, have consolidated all their other projects and scrapped them just to focus on electric vehicles. I mean, I get it, but that's not going to happen at least for a long, long while. And when- if it did happen also suddenly, um... Um, if Mercedes pulls out as a factory, and, uh, that's, that's, I mean, wouldn't that leave, like, wouldn't they pull out of the sport altogether, and that would leave a lot of engine deals, uh, up in the air? Yeah, that would leave, obviously, the factory team, whether they would be purchased by someone else or not. Hi, Braun. I would leave Aston Martin without engines, it would leave McLaren without engines. Williams without engines, they certainly don't get another kick in the teeth. Yeah, and Williams has a contract with Mercedes until, what, 2025 for engines? Yeah. Something like that, yeah. Again, I get the trend that, like, electric vehicles are going to be the thing, and a lot of traditional car makers are cutting a lot of their petrol-based racing programs. Volkswagen chief among them cut it out all entirely. Well, the thing is with Volkswagen is Volkswagen wasn't making money being an LMP1, and they certainly weren't making money while they were marketing diesel LMP1s when they were having a little bit of trouble with those. Yeah, with Mercedes, it's different. Yeah, Mercedes is actually making money on this. And that's why they have absolutely zero reason to leave. Next! Um, Oh. Oh, 
Tony Fernandez. Uh, yeah, we have a very, very awkward story because... Uh, because it's, it's not going to be about Queen's Park Rangers for a change. It's not about Queen's Park Rangers. And yes, really? it's, about, it's, it's about Tony Fernandez, but it's specifically about Tony Fernandez's time as an F1 team owner. Uh-oh. Uh, because recently, uh, the one of the two two well one of the two largest aircraft manufacturers in the world uh you know the other being boeing which is also not having a very good time at the moment <laughs> uh airbus they're implicated in a massive bribery scandal <laughs> uh so long story short Aircraft companies make money by selling aircraft to airlines. And, uh, <laughs> no kidding! <laughs> I would have never they, guessed. When, 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 you're a, when you're a low-cost aircraft, well, you're, when you're a low-cost airline like Air Asia, you, you want to get your planes as cheaply as possible. And uh, when they're too... Large aircraft manufacturers who are basically, for all intents and purposes, are o- the only two that matter right now. Uh, sometimes selling a plane then lower than it appears on paper, then legally, then in some cases legally allowed, is better than not selling a plane at all. Y'all got any more of that um, price dumping? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, pretty much, uh, Airbus is being accused, well, yeah, being accused for pretty much bribing Air Asia and Tony Fernandez to buy Airbus planes. Buy our planes, it's on the cheap, promise. <laughs> so, and what makes this even worse is it is believed that Caterham F1 team, their sponsorship agreement with Airbus was a part of the bribe. And look what good it did them! (laughs) Look at what all the money they saved in those planes it could have gone to the F1 team, and for what? Wasting three years of Heike Kovalainen's in its prime? Actually, it was for for assaulting our eyes with the CT-05. No, I I thought it was for Johan Zarko's Moto2 effort, personally. (laughs) So, uh, if if we bring our minds back to that period of time where Caden existed, they were probably the richest of the new back market. Oh, easily. They were easily the best funded. And look what they did with all that. Well, it showed because they were clearly the best of the minnows for a couple of years. But they couldn't close the gap. What was that really worth? They couldn't close the gap despite being the first one to get an actual engine deal and not a Cosworth despite being the first to get Kurs and on their engines, despite having very good drivers, and did nothing with it. They had a Red Bull supply package while Red Bull was slapping the field, and they did nothing. So, in in the statement released, uh, in the statement released by the Royal Courts of Justice, uh, in relation to Caterham, there was an improper payment consisted of 50 million US dollars and Airbus employees Oh boy and Airbus employees also offered but did not pay an additional 55 million US dollars <laughs> so so Caterham turned down an extra 55 million dollars there's a lot of oh. money being thrown around today <laughs> Whoa. what's 55 mil between friends 
I mean, <laughs> Jesus. Why have we got Carlos Ghosts and crazy shit round two going on in this podcast? <laughs> so, so, no, here's where it gets filed. This money what, what, did wait, not... Wait, 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 now it's getting wild? <laughs> wait a minute. This money no, that was just a did not... So, you know, you know how we talked about Caterham being so rich, right? Apparently, right. those payments was, quote, paid to the directors and or employees of AirAsia and AirAsia X Airlines as a sponsorship for a sports team. So, uh, Caterham never actually received that money. That money went to executives at AirAsia and AirAsia X. You no, did that. That makes sense. <laughs> you did It's all been siphoned off. <laughs> It really it's is. It really is Carlos round two. I told you. I told you. Tony Fernandez and Carlos go do crimes. <laughs> no, no, no. You Where bunch else? of clowns. <laughs> Why, God? You had Alexander Rossi and Robin Friends as reserve drivers for nothing. Absolutely so, nothing. So that really puts into perspective how well Caterham was doing. Like, it appeared like they had money on paper, but the team actually wasn't getting any of it. Now it all makes sense. <laughs> had they not been siphoning off the money, that team could still be alive. Yeah, and yeah. now their factory wouldn't be like an Urbetzer's dream project. <laughs> what are the proper people going to go explore the Leafield factory? That's what I want to know. I, oh my god, that is... They siphoned off 50 million quid for themselves. Yep. That yep. is... that is And killing oh, killing their Formula One team in the process. Bring back Finbar. And obviously, Tony Fernandez says that he doesn't. He denies any impropriety to the Caterham sponsorship deal, uh, stressing that at the time it was highly publicized. Uh... Tony, just because everyone knows that the deal exists doesn't mean that they know what the deal entails. Oh dear. What a hot mess. Should we talk about something better? Yes. Should we talk Ooh. about happy surprises from the world of the NTT IndyCar series? The only IndyCar driver who has his own Motorsport 101 award. <laughs> Scott yes. McLaughlin is gonna Scott. race at the Indy Grand Prix for Penske. So, Scotty, y you take Motorsport 101's most beloved drivers and one of Motorsport 101's most beloved championships, and you put them together. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it, it, it's it's like that episode of Yu-Gi-Oh! The Abridged Series when Kyber is on the plane and he's getting saved by a feet of dragons, and he just shouts, "Yes!" Yes! 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 It's happening! I love this. I love all of this. I want him to race everything. This is awesome. More, please. This is fantastic. Um, gotta you're, love it. Uh, you're getting, uh, yeah. You're getting at least one race out of Scott McLaughlin. It will be the GMR Grand Prix on the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. Um, he will drive at least a fourth, probably what would amount to fit, depending on what exactly Elio Castroneves is going to do, because he may or may not actually be confirmed for this Indy Grand Prix, but we know Scotty is, and there may be more races to come depending on his commitments in supercars. 
Yeah, um, he's he confirmed he'll be driving the number two car that weekend in Indianapolis with the possibility of more. I know people have screamed, give him the 500 if he's actually got a supercars race that weekend, so that can't happen. Um, but who knows what else could drive Have him do the real season. double. Go across the, <laughs> the world. The real double! Y'all got any more of those uh, Concords around? <laughs> sure, why not? Because that's the only way he's making it. Yeah, they're nice and cheap, innit? Um, so that's awesome. Um, congrats to Scotty. Well-deserved opportunity. Great to see. Uh, an awesome crossover. Can we talk to, Can we talk about some I told you so IndyCar news? Go on. Say it with your chest, Cam. <laughs> Speak it. Speak it with your chest. Get fucked, Fernando Alonso. Oh. <laughs> Said the Honda of Japan executives. That's totally that totally wasn't Cam's opinion. That was totally not a disclaimer I'm just putting in here right now. That was not. I told y'all. I told y'all for weeks. There's no way. And indeed, people, there was no fucking like way. Excited. Fuck their excitement. <laughs> feelings can change, and feelings can be bought with goods or services until they can't be. No, if Fernando Alonso is going to pursue the uh, the missing leg of the Triple Crown, it's not going to come with a Honda-powered car. It's going to be Chevy, or it's going to be nothing, or he could take a Honda engine and put a Kamoa badge, and it'll act like nothing had changed. Ah, uh, yes, the Kamoa <laughs> born in Spain V6. <laughs> I mean, it worked for John Menard when he bought up those Buicks and put his hardware store badge on it. Surely it could sure. work for Nando. Yeah, too bad they exploded every time. Those cars were agonizingly pretty, though. But really, yeah. Um, Alonzo's only option will be, indeed, Chevy Ilmore Power. And that leaves him with Yay. not many options. He could either go back in a third car with Aero McLaren SP, or he could go to Ed Carpenter Racing, or... You know, what if Penske runs a fifth car for the 500? I'm just saying. Oh, no. They wouldn't, no. Would they? They, they, I feel like they would put Scotty in it. Realistically, Ooh, yeah. Cons- cons- considering that Scott McLaughlin is already a Penske employee, <laughs> and considering Scott McLaughlin is just—he's Scotty. What more can you say? Like we're excited about this because it's a rare opportunity for a guy to come from touring cars and not go to NASCAR like Marcus Ambrose was inclined to do back in his day, but go straight to F1, uh, go straight to IndyCar, which is an entirely different beast altogether, and he has the chance to excel at it. He'll be the first rookie in 21 years to straight up debut with Penske. Yep, and when he tested in the last IndyCar test, his fastest time was only a second off of the fastest time for the whole test. And for someone who That's hasn't not driven bad for a first time yeah, runner. For someone who hasn't driven an open wheel car in years, and he said his neck was shot. And like when when we say hasn't driven an open wheel car in years, number one, his only experience in an open wheel car is in the Victorian Formula Ford championship. Yeah, it's a little different. Just a little. <laughs> so for him to be that close right off the bat. He's like, good, yeah, man. The, He's good. As we all kind of predicted, really. We all, we love we love Scotty on this show, and Fernando won't be missed. Next, um, don't oh. tell that to Sam Schmidt. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Fernando won't be missed because uh, apparently, according to Sam Schmidt, the Indianapolis 500 
deserves and needs Fernando Alonso. You know this is him angling for sponsors to try and get him in one of his cars. You just know it. Ah, yes, after Alonso made it a point to not renew with McLaren. Yeah, that's the big problem that, you know. He's no longer an ambassador for the brand anymore. (sighs) Yeah. Uh, It's a problem. Yeah, apparently it needs Alonso as if the 500 hasn't existed in, for a hundred years before he started appearing. <laughs> Looking you know, back at it, God. the best moments McLaren and Alonso had together were being at war with each other in 2007. Good times. Spygate, kids. Spygate. But also, also, we need to talk about another stalwart IndyCar team. One that hasn't had a very successful recent history. Yes, we are talking about AJ Foyt Enterprises. Ah, yes. Oh, yes. Care to tell us the news that's happening there, King? Yes. The driver lineup for the 14. Yes, the driver lineup for one car has been announced. Uh, Tony Kanaan has announced that he'll have his final full-time season in IndyCar. He won't be retiring from motorsport, just IndyCar. It's not a full-time season, though, because he's only driving a portion of the schedule. Yes, his farewell year is part-time, where he'll only be driving the five ovals on the schedule. And the Roden, the Roden Street slate will be split between uh, four-time champion uh, Sebastian Bourdais and IndyCar rookie Don Kellett. And guess which one of the two is getting the most, uh, the most races on that slate, guys? Hmm, is it the four-time American Open Wheel champion still very, very good as per his recent Rolex 24 performance, Bourdais? Uh, nope, because he's only getting four races. Ah. Care to tell us, King, before we move on, um, what the fuck happened with uh, Bourdais and Sealmaster? So... Most the most recent time we discussed Sebastian Bourdais on the show was when Bourdais announced that he wouldn't be returning to IndyCar in a full time capacity this season. Well, at least at Dale Coyne Racing, because uh, he would no longer be driving for Dale Coyne Racing. Uh, since then, it's announced who would be taking over his sponsorship with Steelmaster and remaining at Dale Coyne Racing. Who is it? Is... Who is it? Francesco Dracone. It is not is not our fun it's boy not, Francesco it's not, it's, Dracone. It's not Tristan Vautier? <laughs> it is not Tristan Vautier. It is is it is not even Tristan Charpentier. It oh, thank is fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it it is Santino Ferrucci. Oh, oh that guy. The people's champ. <laughs> you hate to see it. <laughs> you hate to see it. Yay. This is no, is. no, no, yay. <laughs> no, no, even sarcastic yay. It's it's stability. That's it. It is it is stability. It's, Dale it's, Coyne it, it, is it's still stability. Getting... They dumped Bourdais for for this fucker. Um, like, well, we thought his sponsorship was pulling out. That's what's got us hated. Seal Master yeah. was just like, no problems here, guys. How we big? Just we, we, how big was the check that Ferrucci's dad cut? How big was it? I don't know. Big enough is the answer to that question. Not as big uh, as Daddy Strolls. Oh. So, not so. Back to Foyt. 
Uh, Dalton Kellett will be doing the six other Road and Street rounds, and AJ Floyd Enterprises will be entering a third car into the Indianapolis 500 for the young Canadian rookie Dalton Kellett. Yeah, he has he has four full seasons of Indy Lights experience, and he does bring a sizable amount of sponsorship. Which, oh, just like with Charlie Kimball, <laughs> for a team that ba- that had its title sponsor basically cut all but like a sliver of its money to the team, I could understand they kind of need to get the money where they can get it. Sorry. Yeah, so, like, say, if IndyCar had a third manufacturer, and that manufacturer was Ford, Sebastian Bourdais would be perfect for them. He won all his champ cars titles driving Ford-powered cars. Uh, he was, a, you know, Ford GT factory driver for them, but Ford is not here, so gotta find money elsewhere, Sebastian Bourdais. Keep the Ford name in mind. It becomes important much later. <laughs> oh, yeah. We know where their money might be going. Mm. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. King, do we want to talk about uh, Junior Formula Championships? Oh, God. I I couldn't be any more excited for this upcoming junior season in Europe. Because... Well, well, because the Renault Sport Academy, I mean, they don't have to worry about them, you know, not building legal cars. They're all the same cars. <laughs> yes, they're all the same cars. It's hard to build a bad car when you're... Buying it off the shelf. It helps. Tell that to everyone who bought the Multimatic LMP2. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, yes, we are getting a Danish uh, invasion in the Junior Formula ranks because Renault Junior Christian Lungard is announced as the teammate to Marcus Armstrong at ART Grand Prix. Lungard enters his first full season of F2. He did the finale for Trident last year. He was sixth in the championship with a feature race win in Hungary. Yes, where, uh, you know, early on in the F2 series season, it felt like uh, it was probably going to be maybe one, two guys who have a logistic title, like a realistic title shot this year. Uh, It's pretty much wide open. I'm going to be completely real here. Uh, There are a good six, seven guys who could probably win the championship this year. Looks like it. Uh, we had a lot more Formula 3 signings, um, including the uh, the last piece of the Prima puzzle, which is yet another Renault Sport Academy Junior in Australian really? Austrian Oscar Piastri. Yes, Oscar Piastri makes a step up to the Grand Prix card. Uh, also, Saru's uh, Racing Systems, also known as Sauber Junior Team, have announced their lineup, and... It is terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah? Stack them up. Stack them up. First, we got uh, the son of Ralph Schumacher, David Schumacher, who had a very respectable run in F4. Now he's making his way up to the big time. Uh, well, he was actually... He made one or two one-off appearances in Yeah, he did uh, replace. Last year. He did replace Peroni at, uh, at Campos at the end of the season. But mainly, last year, Formula Regional European Championship. Championship, the dumb name. He came fourth behind the Prima car. So he was, he was best of the non-Primas. Uh, alongside him is the Finn, Nico Kari. Third full uh, season brings experience. Still just 20 years old. Still just 20 years old in his fifth season of racing. <laughs> Yikes. And last, but certainly not least, the Brazilian. Igor Fraga. 
uh, esports champion and dominant winter series title race leader. Yeah, that yes. Igor Fraga. Yes, the one that that bait up on Mikhail Heisel all the time. That Igor Fraga, <laughs> the one that's currently leading the Toyota Racing Series with two rounds to go. That Igor Fraga. Yep, that Igor Fraga. So uh, the Sovereign Junior team ain't playing no games. Uh, let's see, there are a couple of other minor signings. Yeah, um, uh, there were uh, high techs on there, guys. They have Matt's Futrols coming back, so is Liam Lawson, and Dennis Hauger is getting the step up. Uh, another member of the Red Bull Junior team, and still only 16 years old, meaning he was born in <laughs> March of 2003! Jesus! Stop! But, though, as much as we talk about Europe, I think... I think we have to talk about Andy Lights. Yes, Shame we do. Shame to Hardy isn't here. Shame to Hardy isn't here. Because we're going to get a clash of the Titans and Indy Lights. Kirkwood. King Kirkwood. Kyle Kirkwood is coming to Indy Lights. To the best team at Trenny Autosport. Inf- talk about Infinity Gauntlets. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Who let this happen? That's your title oh. favorite right there. Yep. At least it would be, if not for someone who was spurned in the past and is ready to take back what they feel was rightfully theirs. Yes, in 2016, <gasps> this driver was second in Indy Lights. 2017, second. 2018, third. 2019, went over to Europe for TCR. It was feared that we'd never see him in open wheel racing again. <laughs> but he's back. He's back, Santa ladies and gentlemen. He's coming to town. He's back. Yes, Santiago Urutria. He's back. Oh lord, I we there are not a lot of cars in Indy Lights, but when we have cars in Indy Lights, quality over quantity. <laughs> I can't stress that enough. <laughs> oh yeah. No yeah. kidding. Yeah, this is from the HMD Motorsports team, which bought up Team Preltfree and is owned by a man named Bryn Nuttall. That's N-U-T-T-A-L. <laughs> and boy, uh, when we saw this announcement. <laughs> oh, so, yes, keep an eye out for Indy Lights. Those are just two of the, let's see, uh, 12 cars that will be in Indy Lights this year. It's a fifty percent uh, increase on last year. <laughs> let's not talk about last year. Yeah. Let's talk about today. The future is now. We got even younger folks to talk about. Um, both of them second generation drivers that are going at F four. Yay. Uh, yes, yes. So on the show, we did talk about fourteen uh, year old Juju Noda competing in Danish F four this year. Well, uh. We got someone just as young uh, with... <laughs> a name you might recognize. Yes. Surname in particular. Sebastian Montoya. Well, his name's Sebastian, so he's bound to be legendarily fast. <laughs> Juan Pablo clearly had the right idea. When Put him in a rally car, have him win a few championships. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes, Sebastian Montoya will be... Racing with Prima in the premier uh, 
in you know both of the Premier F4 championships. He has a full season scheduled out in Italian F4, and he'll also be doing a couple of one-off appearances in Germany in IDOC, in IDOC Formula 4. So he will be in the best category for Formula 4 with the best team in Formula 4. All of the hype! Uh, yes, uh... Back when we initially talked about Juju Noda, we talked about there being an age limit on racing. Yeah. And uh, Montoya's 14 now, but by the time the season starts, he'll be old enough to compete in the series. Noda just turned 14, which is why she's having to race in Danish F4, because they have a lower age limit. Yes, they allow 14-year-olds. And, of course, when you think of Denmark, (laughs) when you think of racing in Denmark... No. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Sorry, sorry, just, just, just the way King worded that was very suspect. It was just like, yes, they allow fourteen-year-olds. Thumbs up emoji. No, 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 no. I, I did the daddy stroll gimmick. No, we're we're putting we're putting we're the brakes on this. We're putting the brakes on we're, this. We are redacting this. Oh, I was just going to say that when you think of Danish F Thor, you think of the circuit of Catalonia, which is where she had her first test. Let's pull it yes. back together. Let's talk about some world superbikes. You know, the buried lead of the NBC deal. Yeah. Yes, because, yeah. We had testing in Portimao. Yes, bikes were fast. That, that, that yep. is the news. Yep. Actually, one bike in particular seemed very fast, much faster than previous years, because as it turns out, when you have a bike that isn't 11 years old, it's usually an improvement. The Honda looked good. Yes. The, the, new so, Hon- the new Honda Fireblade made its debut, and it was a quick boy. It, it made me think, these are supposed to be production bikes, right? Oh! <laughs> yeah, they're production bikes, just, oh, like late, s- just like late 90s GT1 was all road cars. Yeah, that, yeah, that was... Uh, wouldn't, uh, that, 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 that ended up being a myth quite quickly. Yeah, like, wouldn't, you daily, as, wouldn't you daily this, a Porsche 962? I would. This, oh, this, this, this podcast is getting more and more suspect by the minute. Um... <laughs> But uh, yes, uh, the new Honda Fireblade debut Bautista apparently absolutely loves it, um, which is no surprise there. Um, it looks very, very fast indeed. Active aero, 220 horsepower out of you know, just the uh, the production version. Yeah, we talk about production versions. I mean, shit, we're, t- we're in a market where Ducati are charging 40 grand for a superbike. We skipped this phase some time ago. Yeah, like, I'm, apparently I'm this Fireblade will be like 5,000 US dollars more than the last one. Oh, five grand, as you do. Five grand will get you a half-decent regular bike. In, ugh, god damn, Jesus. The era yeah. of the homologation specials has truly begun. It's it's still like I mean we'll we'll talk about what Superbikes more at length next time round. Yes, Tony in the Discord, it is forty grand for a Panagardi V4, but uh, it is actually just kind of crazy to see like all the talent coming through in testing and guys we've not spoken very much about. For example, Chan Onshu going to World Super Sport 300 for next season after his uh, much hyped Moto3 uh, debut season kind of petered out. Um, I wonder how much Keenan had a hand in that one. I wonder. Um, everybody talks about how great their new bikes are, like Tom Sykes saying, you know, unbelievable development in the BMW after preseason. Hopefully their bike can uh, travel more than 100 miles an hour this year. Um, <laughs> that, that, that would be nice. Um, Javi Forez is back in the series. That's great to see after a year at Honda and BSB. Um, he's to the Pachetti Kawasaki team as well. 
Um, Philip Houghton has already spoken about his big rivalries planning with Lucas Mahias at Kawasaki and World Super Sports. And the, the other one was a bit of a shock a couple of uh, days ago they got announced. Tom Bufamos has hopped over to World Super Sport 300 for next year as well for a Moto3. I'd like to call him that guy with the really fast AI from MotoGP19, the video game. Um, it's like, what do you mean Bufamos is this high up the field? Um, it's kind of wild, to say the least. Oh, and Kawasaki's launching their bike tomorrow, so that should be fun. And uh, um, you don't have to ask who is the fastest in the test. You know already. <laughs> you know. <laughs> who could it be? Was it, was, it, was it Jonathan by any chance? Might have been. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 for one, am shocked at this news. I believe I mean, he was the only rider in the 1 minute 40 second range. He loves Portimao. I'm not surprised. Cam, rev limits real quick. Yeah, we love talking spreadsheets. <laughs> oh, Fuck off, RJ. <laughs> oh dear! Like the the rev limit chart was uh, unveiled for yeah for the uh, for the start of the uh, season. These are the five bikes and their rev limits: Ducati Panigale V4R. 16,100 RPM, down 250 from last year. The Honda, well, the Fireblade, the regular name's a fucking mouthful. 15,600 RPM. This thing revs at 15,000. <sighs> yeah. That's bonkers. 15,6. Yeah, which is over 1,000 RPM higher than it was last year, thanks to their all-new engine design. Good God almighty. The BMW gets 50 more RPM. I think it could use a little more after last year. Yeah, just a touch. I think that, that probably needs a buff, quite frankly. Yep, and the Kawasaki uh, remains unchanged at 14,600 RPM. Quite low for their standards, isn't it? Ah, Jonathan Ray will persevere. As he always, yeah. as he is wont to do. As he always does at this point. So, yeah, keep an eye on that. Again, the big, the big one being Ducati 250 down compared to last year, as if they needed another nerf, apparently. Who'd have thought it? I mean, to be fair, we saw it in the second half of last season. They were gangbusters on the straights. They were, they were obliterating everybody else in a straight line, which is uh Yeah, of course. The, the big least. jump here is Honda, as, again, over 1,000 RPM more than last year's bike. Yeah, sounds about right. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye on that. We'll have a full preview our next episode on World Superbikes as we head into the 2020 season. Whew. Um, just before we get into the into the winter sports car dash itself, significant news. Uh, you've, you've yeah, got... I, I, have, I have a massive return to talk about. Oh, God, <sighs> King. Yes. You, you guys loved him in the previous installments of these movies. Han is back in the ninth installment of the Fast and Furious Saga in the week before the Day of Classes. Oh, head, head to your movie theater <laughs> to watch to watch Fast 9. Brought to you by Corona. Wait. Oh, it's... Uh, no, I thought it was a different Corona. I swear. Oh. <laughs> That's staying in. <laughs> That's the worst King joke in the history of this podcast, and he's been on the best part of 220 episodes. You've outdone yourself. I have to, to ring down the quality somehow. Get in the bin. <laughs> We're already in the sin bin. The new and improved All sin bin. All the way bin. down. Ask us, ask us for an invite. We even have an animated server icon now. 
It's great. King, talk to me about the uh, the other Corona. <laughs> Uh, yes, the other Corona, which, uh, so, uh, how do I break this down? I'm not getting into too much about it, but pretty much there has been an outbreak of coronavirus in Wuhan province in China. It has now spread to every province, the People's Republic of China, and other, uh, countries. Uh, obviously the People's Republic has put down some travel restrictions to limit the spread of this virus. From everyone listening to the show, there isn't anything to be panicked about if if you... Yeah, apparently, are... like, most people's <laughs> symptoms are coming down with coronavirus. Apparently, the only symptom is massive xenophobia. <laughs> yeah. Yes, like, it should be noted, yes, coronavirus is uh, more contagious and more lethal than the flu, but it's very similar to the flu. The worst uh, symptom is obviously severe pneumonia, but for the most part, if you can seek medical treatment, you will be fine. It is the flu S. It is yes, it is the flu S. Problem is that obviously they want to contain this. Hopefully, you know, limit the possible spread of the coronavirus, meaning that there are travel restrictions to parts of China, especially parts of China, that are hosting large motor racing events. Really? Do tell. Yes, so it has gone from being possibly suspended, well, it's still officially suspended, the Sanya Ypres. There isn't a, a date it's been suspended to, for all intents, pur- for all intents and purposes, the Sanya Ypres is cancelled. Yeah. Because how are they going to reshuffle their calendar to fit it in or whatever, basically. So, yeah, good luck yes. basically bringing that back. It's um, going to be quite and, difficult. And segueing over to Formula One, the Chinese Grand Prix has also been postponed. There has been a proposed date swap with the Russian Grand Prix, but the Russian Grand Prix has rejected the idea of moving their race date from the e- near the end of the season to just two months from now. Yeah, good luck organizing a Grand Prix in full in two months, basically. There is a very, very good chance there will be no Chinese Grand Prix this year. I, I guarantee that there won't be a Chinese yeah. Grand Prix this year. Yeah, 99% sure there's not going to be one. Because, number one, let's say they do postpone it. Where do you put it on an already full calendar? We are already at 22 races for yeah. this there's, season. There's not going to put it. it in the summer with all the back-to-back two-backs. Yeah, there's nowhere how to about, move it. How about we... How about we just run Zandvoort twice? <laughs> run Zandvoort twice. You never okay. want to go Zandvoort twice. Silence, Max Verstappen fan. <laughs> but yes, I, I guarantee it, Chinese Grand Prix is cancelled for 2020. Shit. <laughs> Meaning that in probably one of, well, not probably, it is the longest Formula One season of all time. There'll be a period that was not initially scheduled to have a month-long break that now has a month-long break. And then a summer of of nothing but three in a rows. And that's right after the season starts. That's going to be two rounds in. We're going to have a one-month break before another round. It's very (laughs) fluttery. Yes, three rounds in. So we'll do Australia, Bahrain, and the first ever... Vietnam Grand Prix, and then after that, there's not a race for another month, and that's a Spanish Grand Prix. We have to wait a month for fucking Spain. 
Think about Whoa. it this way. We get both a spring break and a summer break if it goes down like this. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. <sighs> Considering the state then of the F1 calendar, that can probably only be a good thing. Then again, if China's gone, given how last year's went, nothing of value. Nothing of value so, will be lost. So, also considering this is not an FIA enforced break, all the employees will still have to be at work in the factory. For the most part, it is a whole month completely dedicated to development. Meaning that the first three rounds of the championship, in terms of trying to eke out any, like, performance standing between the teams, is completely non-representative. <laughs> oh, good. Just like most years. <laughs> well, it's just new. <laughs> Yahoo. Also, King, before we finish the new section, Formula E, new car. <sighs> yes. We we get this all the time in GT3. Evo developments for cars. Now we're getting it in Formula E. The Gen 2 Evo will arrive for the first ever world championship season next year. But we get to see it in the flesh this week. So what do you guys think about the car? Um, the front wing certainly the front wing certainly looks more conventional, like you can't use it as a battering ram. Yeah, you see that's kind yes. of the main thing about this uh, this Evo package. It's not necessarily meant to change performance. It's meant so that you can't just use your car as a battering ram and it's meant that if you hit someone, it breaks so it punishes you. Yes. Fuck. Gosh. <laughs> I will say I'm not I kinda like the pseudo fender look more and the split rear wing is fucking stupid. But I mean, I mean eh. it was it was already split before. It was just split out. It was split outward and I think it it worked better. Now it just looks like uh yeah. two thousand nine to twenty sixteen F one rear wing that someone forgot to meet in the middle. Though I do like the front wing with the, the nods to the original Gen one Evo. Uh I don't like the shark fin, though. Not a fan of the shark fin. No, me neither. I'm kind of just indifferent towards it. Yeah, it's it'll be fun to see these cars race next year. Uh, hopefully, we get you know less of the full contact motorsport and more of you know side by side and less you know hip check to hip check. Yes, I, please. More, I don't more, mind a little. Bumper cars, see, I'm I'm of the opinion that like I don't want to see like dudes pile drive each other, but I do also like the fact that they can have a little bit of contact, but uh, not absolutely. an excessive amount. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. a little bit, a little bit of moving each other. That's fine. The fact that you can more or less just shoulder charge someone, and both cars will be yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> In the words of yeah. Parker Johnstone, using the other car as your girlfriend. shout out to our takagi so underrated but yeah formula e can have little uh side by side contact as a treat as a a treat (laughs) but not too much should we have a quick musical break fellas yes good idea um after this quick musical interlude we'll be back to talk about the winter sports car dash a big piece of convergence news and 36 hours of endurance sports car racing. You love to hear it. Back off to this. I 
again. I'm going to mostly be quiet for the next bit, so uh, uh, have at it, boys. Um, you know. Have- well, I, I think I think you'll be real interested in the first line item of this. <laughs> oh, I, I am listening. So, uh, King, take it away. Yes, it is finally here. The long demanded convergence for top class sports car Fucking race. Fucking finally! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! <laughs> yes, it is here. Le Mans Daytona. Hose H. mad. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everyone. We They finally did it. The ACO and IMSA have announced a converged top prototype platform going forward. So, uh, kind of the simplest way to wrap your head around this is, no, Hypercar is not dead. No, Mm -hmm. in fact, it is, well... Hold that thought! (laughs) We'll We'll get get to that later. (laughs) We'll we'll get to that in a bit. Okay. Thank you for posting that, RJ. So... the, The... Highly rumored, long-awaited DPI 2.0 in actuality now is going to be LMDH. And LMDH will also be allowed to participate in not only the 24 hours of Le Mans, but every round of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Yep, meaning you can can make one car and you can run it on both in the IMSA series and WEC and you are fine. It's a pretty neat concept, basically like the original DPI, you start with an base LMP2 chassis and build something that's faster and has more manufacturer branding and has a manufacturer's power plant stuck in the back of it. Yeah, really, this is this is just a further evolution of the existing DPI formula, where they're still going to be based on the four P2 tubs made by the current P2 manufacturers, Orica. Ligier, Delara, and Multimatic. But you're going to have more bodywork freedom, and they're going to have a spec rear axle only Kurz system. So you yeah, do yeah. get that hybrid. You do get yeah, the you hybrid. You do get that hybrid. So one of the reasons why it's important that the ACO is involved in this process that, yes, like the original DPI, this is based off of base LMP2 chassis. Thing is, LMP2 is also getting a revamp to be similar in appearance to the hypercars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they won't look exactly like the current DPIs, but they'll probably be a little bit of a halfway house between them and what the hypercars look like. Mm-hmm. That's yes. a treat. Yes. So uh, we, we, we talked. That, that's pretty much everything they've announced so far. Yeah, we're gonna get uh, more. Uh, we're gonna get more technical details as they finalize LMDH's regulations. We think we're gonna get that around Super Sabring, which makes sense. It's a combined IMSA ACO event. Yes, though, uh, when asked about it, they've been very mum. The idea of having hypercars be eligible the other way around having the hypercars that are going to compete at the 24 hours of Abad and the world endurance championship be eligible to run in the 24 hours of Daytona 12 hours of Sebring and the rest of the IMSA schedule. They've not had, they've not said that it's going to happen. They've also not said that it's not going to happen, but the fact that they didn't make that announcement at the initial reveal says a whole lot. Yeah, because 
when this news came out, because we all piled into the event, ch- the uh, voice chat while this was going on, I love that our uh, Marshall Pruitt said he was uh, getting an intercooler for his keyboard when this event was announced. <laughs> we stand Marshall Pruitt here. Um, yes. We thought about this. And if you can run an LMDH, not only in the national series of IMSA, but also the international series of WEC, and you could run it at Le Mans, but you can't run a hypercar over in the United States... Why build Why, what's, the point? what's the point? <laughs> what is the point? Say, even like, because even like you automatically, by building an LMDH, you're automatically able to get more exposure by running over here. But guys, it's fine. Um, you know, Hypercar has all of its ducks in a row, and the best part is all of its manufacturers are locked in. We're not going to have something happen where, let's say, Peugeot just changes its plans out of nowhere. That would be oh, ridiculous. Um, about that. Peugeot, well, yeah. and this is very so, important as well, because Peugeot intends to be back within the U.S. market in the next five or six years. They said, fuck Hypercar. <laughs> yep, yep, they did. Because uh, while it is a Peugeot factory program, they weren't the ones building the car itself. Correct. Orica, aforementioned LMP2 builder, was going to be developing the car. And, you know, they're all, obviously Orica's going to build another generation of their LMP2 car. Why don't you just use that as a base for an LMP, LMP2 Especially when the thought is that Acura, who already used the Orica 07 LMP2 as a base, will probably go back with Orica again. You know, I start to see why Cynics thought that this convergence would never happen, because it's basically exploded hypercar as we know it. Yeah, the ACO yeah. accidentally sniped their own class. Now, there is a yeah, point cause... to hypercar, though, because the two manufacturers that have already committed, well, Toyota said, we want to make our own hybrid system. Yeah, and for yeah. companies and you like that... you can't do that in LDMDH. You can't do that in LMDH. So I get why they would want to do that. Yeah, and Aston Martin... Well, now that we know the Valkyrie is going to happen because they actually have some money now, you can't just enter a road car in LMDH either. And they're already working on the Valkyrie. No. And is is the Valkyrie going to have a hybrid system? No, it will not. It It is confirmed the race car will not have a hybrid system. So they couldn't enter... LMDH anyway, yeah. You can't... Yeah, you can't enter LMDH without a hybrid system either. Well, no. You have to use the spec hybrid system. So Aston Martin's no choice. If they want no hybrid, they have to build a well, hybrid. Yeah, this is you supposed can't to build be your the... own tub. You have yeah. to use one yes. of the four base tubs supplied. Yeah, the Valkyrie is basically going to be the Anorax Delight because it's a large displacement V12. Bring back the V12s, Aston Martin. Okay. <laughs> okay. But yeah, and beyond that... um, this was met, other than the moniker being a little bit middle of the road in reception. Yes. Everyone's a little actually, bit weird on that. Actually, let me let me ask someone. Dre, what do you think the H in LMDH stands for? Um, hydrogen? <laughs> no. Five years down the road, you might be right, but not right now. You might be right, not right now. Nope. You know, I, I, I claim a more victory on that one. Um, <laughs> I'll give you that. Um, yeah, like, we don't know what the H stands for. No, no. Uh, it's not that we don't know. That's that's 
it doesn't have a meaning. Just like how the the XFL is just letters. <laughs> oh, for God's sake! <laughs> is this a, Stop is, putting letters in things for the sake of it, Mister World TCR. So <sighs> even in the teaser hype video that they showed in the press conference, coming May sits the champions big. <laughs> Your checks in the mail, so. Mr. Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this hype video, they showed at the press conference and ended with the official name for the category. And it is the same way I started this segment. Lamont Daytona H. Yep, the H is just there. <laughs> It's it's there for artistic purposes. Yeah. (laughs) Other than the moniker, this was pretty universally well-received. In fact, a certain company that has a very rich history in sports cars immediately said, fuck yeah, we're interested. Blue Oval, baby! No. Uh, uh. (laughs) Nope. Yes. Porsche might be back to Lamar already. <laughs> in the premier class. Um of the rumored new manufacturers on the horizon, there is Ford, Lexus, McLaren, and Porsche that could join Adelac, Cadill- Acura, Cadillac, and Mazda at Daytona Le Mans and other famous endurance events in the next two years. Well, it, it is worth Audi, noting. Um, Audi on another show that's being recorded on the same time has already shot down the proposal, but hey, we'll take the wins with the losses. Yep. Yeah, it is worth noting that Cadillac and Mazda haven't committed to the new formula yet, but it's generally thought that they will. And Acura, it depends on what Roger says, I imagine. Honestly, I'm, I'm so excited. Does this mean the end of Super Sebring? Are we just going to have one 12-hour race Please! Again? Please just bring back the one! Please! <laughs> no, but, but you know what this means. This is effectively the chance Juan Montoya is going to get to finish yeah. the Triple Crown. Juan Pablo Lanza. Montoya... If he stays with Acura, and Acura stays with Penske, he could... They decide to want to run Le Mans. And well, he's going to want to run Le Mans. Yeah, he's already said he's on board, that if they do it, he's in. Montoya could get the Triple Crown in a Honda. <laughs> Please. Yes. Please. Make this happen. Stuff season four of the Penske game. Inject I want this. all of it into my veins. <laughs> Yeah, Wayne Not Taylor Racing, well. the ones who, the Wayne Taylor Racing, we'll talk about them shortly, have already said they want to do Le Mans with Cadillac. Yep, this saying, is fun. Well, they said Cadillac has unfinished business, and I'm just saying, why would you even bring up the North Star LMP? <laughs> <laughs> you <Right>. fucking clowns. <laughs> the last time Wayne Taylor went, the last time Wayne Taylor came to Le Mans with a chance at an overall win was with an Oldsmobile Aurora engine in 1996. <laughs> oh, Lord. Like, you love to see it. Like, let, man. Like, at General Motors, when, 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 when they signed up for this, they were like, whoa, we did not sign up for this. Don't bring up the other time we tried to do yeah, this. Yeah, um, GM <laughs> has a very fickle history in terms of top class competition at Le Mans. Mm-hmm. Fickle, you say? Um, well, some of it was under the table, and some of it they just don't want to talk about. So, in 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 you know our supporters channel where you could listen to this live, I'm going to post a picture of the initial attempt. No, in no, <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to post it. I'm I'm going to God help King us all. This bastard. I, I, 
This is gonna, this is gonna be picture. the greatest meltdown since the great KFC oh. famous pizza debate. <laughs> that no, is. no, that's not. That is not. That, that is not the initial Cadillac North Star. No, that is the 2001 car, which was less terrible. Okay. Okay. Think of it well, like this. Cam, why are you encouraging this? <laughs> no, right think now. of it like what? this. The 2000 North Star LMP was a car where the North Star V8 was the best part of it. Yeah, this. So, and if and, y'all uh, know cars, y'all just recoiled in horror. <laughs> so, Dre, just just imagine like a Ford Cosworth DFV engine, but every bit of it's worse. Oh, no. You can't yeah. disrespect the Kazi DFV like that. No, think this is a car that debuted in 2000, and its aerodynamics were four years out of date on day one. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, the uh, it, yes, actually the no debut longer has... if we really think about it. Yeah, so so when they decided to try to build a quote unquote Audi beater, this is what they rolled up with when they realized. No, hey, that's we the good like one. Try. That's the one that just yeah, yeah, needed that, more time. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, this was the good one when they, <laughs> when they were like, <laughs> we're getting our act together. Like lads, what portion of the dark web is the real bad version of this car? Apparently, like <laughs> you don't want to know. I don't want that one. I don't. I found it. I don't feel. We're gonna need a VPN. We're that gonna bad. need a VPN and a proxy to find this out. Also, <laughs> I realize that this is like tearing our family apart worse than the. Great KFC pizza debate. (laughs) (laughs) Should we explain this to the class? Okay, okay, okay. I have it. I have. I have gotten it. I apologize for nothing. Um, No. Oh. It's yes. This was a car that had. Think of it like this. Think oh my if, god, what the fuck is that? <laughs> th- think of it like this. Think of a Formula One team rocking up in the year of our Lord, 2000, with a low nose. Why? I'm not talking like a I'm, 95 low nose. Low. I'm talking like a mid-80s <laughs> McLaren nose. Think it's more about or less that, what this car think did. Of, think about what Super Aguri did when they basically repackaged the last arrows, but they had time to develop. Yeah. So... So guys, I, I s- someone auctioned off this car and someone bought it. I got the price that they bought it for. <laughs> Please tell How me much? it was four hundred and twenty dollars and sixty nine cents. Guys, we are we are talking six digits. <laughs> no, we're we're talking the low six digits. Go on. Someone bought this. Someone bought this for. Someone bought this in two thousand seven for a hundred fifteen thousand dollars why christ you could, you could buy a spec out lexus for that kind of money yeah what? you could buy you could buy a luxury car i love the vic immediately put in the discord was it post malone stack son yeah i will i will i will quote the great michael j fuller the runner of molzon's corner the car needed race miles and simply didn't get them to be successful a chassis needs to be raced not simply tested Audi proved that. This Audi beater, quote-unquote, needed to follow suit. In the end, GM unceremoniously canceled the program at the end of 2002, stating their goals had all been met, adding just one more black eye to GM's fickle racing history. <laughs> so, in the, in, in the long and short of it, are we excited for conversions, guys? I'm I am very so excited. hyped. <laughs> Porsche's going for number 20, baby! 
all the WEC has to do is just hold out a little bit. I know having uh, having Janetta pull out of America was not a good look, but they just got to hold on for a little bit. Yeah, about that. We we should probably explain. Um, LMP1. Man, LMP1's not in good shape. It's at three cars for Austin, and it's Sebring, and uh, yeah, it'll it's bump DOA. up. It's t- DOA, dead on arrival. <laughs> yeah, um, Janetta is pulling the cars out for <clears throat> maintenance, and I think the ACO got on the phone to Rebellion and is like, please, we have no one racing! Please come back with a second car! And what is yeah, Delatraz last- doing? Driving what, <laughs> driving their second car with Romain Dumas and Nathaniel Berthon. Last time someone pulled out of America that hard, George III thought he was a kangaroo. <laughs> Is that a segue? Oh. Do we want to do these in reverse oh order? No, 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 no. We'll get to that later. Now, Rolex 24 at Daytona. Rolex 24. <laughs> Rolex watches will be handed out. Real ones, not counterfeits. Yep. Oh dear fucking god, King. <laughs> King has dropped a nuclear warhead in the server, everybody. <laughs> RKO! Out of nowhere! In the words of uh, Tony in the in the chat, I have a mute button and I must scream. <laughs> Rolex 24 oh, at Daytona. My- it happened. We didn't need scuba gear this year. Yes. Yeah. There was a race. It, was, it happened. It was surprisingly very dry and very caution free. Yeah. Oh. That I would low, say that the, clumsiest, the clumsiest incident of the race mm. happened early and spawned the best meme of the events. Mm. In all <laughs> 24 hours. We yeah. love you, Elio. We started off. Well, we should start off with qualifying. Mazda was really fast, again. Again. But the question, as always, is would they last the distance? Well, the number 55 Mazda tried to end its own race and that of the number 7 Acura very early. Everyone's pick to win, except for mine. Mine just mine just didn't have the pace. Yeah, um, about that, the number, the number 7 Acura had a hell of a time. Because Ricky Taylor binned it at the bus stop in qualifying, ripped the uh, left front off the car. They got it rebuilt in time for the race, and then four hours in, Harry Ticknell just decided, Leroy Jenkins into the bus stop. Leroy The results were not good for the Penske Acura, I believe. Alexander Rossi did not get to do any significant driving before the car was already written off for any realistic prospects of winning. Yes, and um, Elio Castroneves was not impressed. Elio was pissed. Yes, NBC, after the accident, and they were forced to retire the car, NBC not only went to interview Elio, but brought brought a TV on remote so they could show him the accident. Yeah, and the thing is... Elio was not happy. Yeah, and the thing is, like, Tinkle's much better than this. You think yeah, this is a guy who's highly talented in endurance racing circles. He's better than that. Yeah, this for I, I saw some trying to argue that Elio was going slow into the bus stop. 
He had traffic in front of him. Where is he? Is he going to go through the Porsche that's in front of him? There was an actual racing driver who tried to argue that uh, that Elio turned in on him. Yeah. 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 Um, it was just yeah, completely to... fucking unnecessary four hours into yeah. a 24-hour race. Yeah, to avoid the accident, Elio just had to, you know, get out of the way when he's parked on the apex, taking the corner like a normal human being. He just had to take the Daytona 500 line. Of course. Yeah, and of course, that rode off one of the fastest cars of the event, because I believe on lap time average, after that, they were the second quickest car. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, Elio Castroneves, Ricky Taylor, Alexander Rossi, pretty fast, uh, pretty fast trio. Uh, yeah, yeah, shall we say, um, yeah, but, um, you know, it was really fast all race long. Wayne Taylor racing for oh the second for the, God. for the second year in a row. No Nando needed. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. A Fernando fan told me before this race, how are they going to win? They only barely won with Fernando last year. Well, what you do is you get Ryan Briscoe and Scott Dixon. And that's a good formula. And Kamui Kobayashi broke out the belt. Oh, God. Again? That man Again. was unbelievable. Overnight, he basically put the race out of reach uh, for the second year in a row. Yeah. Which um, I was brings up a very chat. interesting point. He yeah. scored points in less than 25% of his Formula 2 series races over two years. Someone want to tell me hell? why this guy ended his F1 career in a crowdfunded caterum with a dick nose at Abu Dhabi? A crowdfunded caterum that was having money embezzled from it. <laughs> oh, God! I, that yeah. makes it so yeah. much worse! Absolutely. Yeah. Kamui Ko, I was in the voice chat with supporter of the show, Tony, and he was on the onboard of the number 10, and Kobayashi was perfect at every apex for, like, two hours. Um, For me, MVP of the race, he was untouchable. Yeah. It is saying a lot when Scott Dixon was arguably the weak link in the car. Again, Scott let's restate fucking that. Dixon. Scott Dixon, who's won this race overall with Ganassi, is the weak link on a four-person team. Oh my god. Yeah, this was, uh, I mean, it was pretty close in the end. Uh, there were three cars that finished on the lead lap, but nobody unless that number 10, uh, Konica Minolta Cadillac, if that car broke down, that would be the only way that anybody else would have yeah. a chance. And it's in fact, they tried to throw the race away multiple times. Ryan Briscoe forgot what red means. Red means that stop at the end of the pit lane. Doesn't matter. He still drove fast as hell. Ranger yeah. Vandersander, who basically Van did nothing you, last year. You are redeemed, my son. Welcome back. The guy who basically coasted through 2019 now decides to remind y'all, hey, I'm still pretty good at this, by the way. Yeah, I believe he was the fastest driver on average. Yeah, which now makes Ditson a three. Yeah, according to our friends at at the B pillar, uh, Vanderzanda had the fastest twenty laps over the entire race. Set, um, the only person within his zip code were, you know, his teammates, Loic Duval, who's won Le Mans a couple times. This victory now makes Ditson a three-time Rolex winner. It now makes Kamui Kobayashi a two-time winner, and Vanderzanda back to a two-time winner as well. Think of all the delicious Rolexes. <sighs> yeah. Um. They were untouchable. In second place, oh my god, it finished. 
the it's number finished. 77 <laughs> Mazda Team Yost RT24P. The meme it's is survived. over. <laughs> Fry Active never. Well, it, it half game. We'll get to that later. Um, yeah, yeah the 77. 1.5. The 77 just motored on, got a good result, and. For once, Mazda does not start the year in a hole from not finishing the first race. I mean, they're still going to have to go through a changeover of their entire DPI program after Sebring, but that is still a massively encouraging result. Uh, Supposedly, there's only like three people left from Yost still in the program. Yeah. So it won't be too much of a change. And also, I mean, half of Team Yost went to Multimatic anyway. Lena Gade is running the show. Lena! That's excellent. Paravel's finest. We stand, Lena. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, third place was Joao Barbosa, Sebastian Bourdais, the aforementioned Sebastian Bourdais, and Boeing hey. Duval in the Mustang Sampling Racing JD Miller Motorsports Cadillac. Three Cadillacs inside the top five. The Cameron Montoya Paginot Acura was fourth. The Pedrahita Mateus Lice, Chris Miller, Tristan Vautier, JDC Miller car was fifth. Uh, the 55 Mazda, Bomberito, Ticknell, and Hunter Ray, which was slowly dying towards the end, was sixth. And yeah, they, the um, number- it's worth noting that was two big players out pretty early. The number six Acura, I think, broke a damper on the front end, so it was slamming against the pavement constantly. Uh, I believe Hella Dane flush. Cameron designed it as being in a paint shaker. Hella flush. Yeah, they were... Uh, <laughs> They were slammed the and stanced. Slammed and stanced. Uh, to the point where they were having to change the nose because it was destroying the front splitter. The number 55 Mazda suffered a boost pipe failure and by the end of the race was about 10 seconds a lap off the pace. So the meme's not dead after all. Uh, it's partially it's, dead. It's quarter dead. Fractive 1.5. Am I wrong? <sighs> Not very wrong. I was surprised. So what happened with the 31 car of Nazar, Conweezy, Durrani, and Albuquerque? They had a gearbox failure. Ah, uh, I see. That does it. Damn, that was my pick to win. Yeah, both of so the proud. M101 picks to win were done pretty damn early. Oof. Yeah. And uh, everyone else even admitted after the race, no one was catching the 10 car. No, not the way that it was set up, not the way that it was just gliding through corners, and certainly not the way that all of its drivers were running it. Congratulations on a well-earned victory and a new distance record at 833 laps. We thought that it wasn't going to fall because we had a small rash of cautions, one after the other, but that's all we really got. And then and then there was LMP2. Or Orica Cup. Orica Cup, as a result of the uh, RWR Multimatic being destroyed in a testing crash and there being no spare tubs. And then, of course, they're coming into the race with the disadvantage of having a Multimatic Gen 1 LP2 to begin with. Ah, yes. Easily the worst of that class. Let me just reinforce here that Kamui Kobayashi, who somehow only won one Formula 2 race because GP2 Asia is non-canon, somehow... The guy's amazing. Yeah. He, this man deserves so much more in F1, and it's very frustrating that he got booted out the way he did. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, LMP2 was, uh, I called it, um, the Dragon Speed Team wins again with Ben Hanley. <laughs> it um, wasn't that simple, though, because no? 48 hours of Daytona runner Ben Keating in his 52 Orica, they were yeah. keeping them honest. 
for a very long time. I believe they had an on-track incident which broke something on the rear of the car, which took them out of contention. And they almost ran the Dragon Speed car back down. Yeah, I mean, they've got some good drivers in Gabrielle Aubrey and Simon Trummer, but it's Ben Gating's performance that really impressed me because, if I'm not mistaken, Cam, was that not his first outing in an LMP2? Oh, I don't, uh, I wouldn't know. And he's the and he's the designated gentleman driver of the team, meaning he's the rich old guy who's not supposed to go that fast? <laughs> yeah, and he was generally cleanly the fastest driver of the crew. So we can conclude that uh, driver ratings mean fuck all. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. much pretty much it t- it took uh, all of ben hanley and harrison doing colin braun's skill to overcome colin braun is free from the ligier nissan dpi he's back ben hanley uh as good as he was in indie time trials and hey harrison knew he's not just there because of his dad's connections he's actually pretty good at this whole driving thing <sighs> yeah but uh dre uh, the theme of our winter sports car dash, it's big boy season. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> it, is, it is big I'm a, boy. I'm normally used to these sorts of office, RJ. Um, <laughs> Folks, it is, uh, cue, it is big boy cue season. The, cue the gif of Brock Lesnar seeing Keith Lee and say, ooh, he's a big boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, edit that so that it's a BMW M8 coming up into the rain. <laughs> yes oh, much, to, much to my pain The big mate won again Yes Yes For the second yes! year in a row And this time Well there's uh, Apparently there's some who aren't too happy About how uh, the BOP played out But mm-hmm. they made the pass on track They get, didn't get lucky because Ford blew it Nice job guys for last year that boy was fast in a straight line. <laughs> yeah, it was. He's fast as fuck, boy. <sighs> I was like, is that all inertia? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was all inertia, while the Porsches seemed to have no inertia. They could come to a dead stop anytime they wanted. It was a really fascinating battle. I love that exchange between Yessie uh, tra- uh, Crone, almost said Tracy Crone, as I'm trying to push the narrative that Yessie Crone, born in Finland, is the son of Tracy Crone, born in Texas. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All the correlation. Yeah. Between him and Earl Bamber, who's Juan Lamar overall a couple of times, lest we forget. Uh, that was a fun battle, as Bamber was just getting all the traction out of the corners, but the BMW was just running it down at the straightaways. Yeah, this battle <laughs> didn't get beyond about two seconds. This is the last 18 hours of the race. It was a constant battle for the lead between the 912 Porsche and the 24 BMW. <laughs> and uh, the cars seem to be generating pretty equal lap time, albeit in completely different ways. To the mm. point where Lawrence Vantor said, I hate that car. It can only go in straight lines. i love lawrence that that sounds like a sounds like a problem (laughs) i enjoy lawrence if only for the quote that he gave me after petite lamab where he basically said uh after you win all these races what's left to do win daytona and get fat i suppose (laughs) (laughs) sounds like a plan yeah he was denied because in the last hour bmw opened the taps on an already overpowered engine 
and apparently gain like another few kph in a straight line just out of nowhere oh good because that's what it needed and apparently some of those working on the bop aren't too pleased they just dropped the load out of nowhere <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I believe there was a big puff of sand in the last hour coming out of the back of the BMW. Which you usually don't get oh, from IMSA that much. I mean, they've usually been pretty good with the BOP, especially like in, in, in the GT classes. Yeah. Um, and a good segue, the Porsches finished second and third. A good segue down to fourth. The new mid-engine Corvette finished its first race, and it was pretty competitive. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, didn't the three car get into a little bit of a scuffle yeah, in the, the three overnight car, hours? Um, I'm trying to remember the car it hit, but it, it pile drives someone going down into turn one. It wasn't very badly. Oh, it was one of the Aston Martins. Oh, yeah. Um, the theme of this winter sports car dash is that Aston Martin, this was not your finest hour. Oh, no, sir. We'll, we'll get more, we'll get more into that. In, we'll get more in that in the bathroom's leg of this. Yeah, but, yeah, the Corvette was relatively unscathed. The Aston was can-opened. But uh, three Corvette ran pretty good. Finished the race. Uh, four uh, 24 Corvette, hours of not testing so much. It. Yeah, yeah, the four Corvette. Things didn't go so well. Um, severe oil leak, which necessitated dropping the engine out of the car to fix. That is an all-new engine for GM, and, uh, was not its finest hour. But they did get it back out to get more testing mileage on it, because, of course, this is truly an all-new car for them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And as much testing mileage as they can get, they're gonna get. Yeah. And Reese Competizione, well, they were there. They were just happy to be there, I suppose. Again, my picks didn't go so hot in this race. Uh, but congratulations, Yassi Crone. John Edwards, hey, another Etz Red Bull talent that got away. Augusto Farfus and Chaz Mostert, winner of the greatest Bathurst 1000 on taking the GLTLM class victory. The Lamborghini we were all rooting for did not make it to the end because oh, uh, no, Fryactive no, Fry Active is infectious, but... We did get a Lamborghini battle uh, for the victory in the GTD class. It is worth noting, um, that 19 girl power Lamborghini, it spent hours in the garage, did half a lap, and blew the fuck up. Oh my lord. <laughs> oh. With Christina Nielsen in the car. With Christina Nielsen in the car, no less. Uh, both Astons got written off as well, and we got a ding-dong battle between Super GT alums Andrea Calderelli and Marco Mappelli at points. Uh, it was Paul Miller Racing, Brian Sellers, Madison Snow, Corey Lewis, and Andrea Calderelli, the SRO Triple Crown Champion, taking Lamborghini's third straight GTD win at Daytona. And this time they didn't get disqualified. Hooray! Uh... GRT Magnus in second, and the WRT Speedstar Audi Sport Team Canada car, but with no with one Canadian driver in third. Yeah, they seem to have a lot of pace during the night, but tailed off during the day, which is kind of a theme with some cars. Uh, if I could give this Rolex 24 any rating, uh, I'd probably give it like eight Rutledge Wood segments on NBCSN out of ten. I give it a, a high seven. Feeling a strong seven to a light eight. Yeah, strong seven light eight. Unfortunately, Wayne Taylor Racing beat the they beat the DPI field down so bad that there wasn't much of a race for the overall after a few hours. 
which is fine because in multi-class racing like this it's good to have like at least some battle even if it's not for the overall victory yeah and as i said we had an 18 hour long battle for gtlm where the cars were within two seconds of each other and kamui broke out the belt kamui broke out the belt again how is has got a gun on the end of it. How has <laughs> the man never won in Super Formula through five seasons thus far? Because his Ow! team put him on wet tires on a dry track, RJ. And it wasn't much slower than just running the harder compound. Take it up with Yokohama. <laughs> take it off, please. You know you know, uh, we don't dude. have to take up with Yokohama because Pirelli has an exclusive track uh, contract. The bathroom 12 hours. No, I'm yeah. sorry, the bathwater 12 hours. I'm sorry, the Banthurst 12 hours. Ah, uh, there we go, that's more like it. The, uh, holy shit, that car's rolling at the top of the mountain 12 hours. Yeah, um, all that low attrition at Daytona was immediately rebalanced by the universe at Bathurst. So, think about this, because I'm pulling up, there were about, I want to say there were 39 cars that showed up for the start of the weekend, by the time we had gotten uh, to the first round of qualifying, we had we had five premature withdrawals through before we got to Super Pole. Yeah, the thing about this race, these cars are of course GT3 cars, and yeah. they use road going chassis. I'll yep. be strengthened. Well, Bathurst has concrete walls. Lots of them. Yes, and when, despite what some people on the internet might lead you believe, these are the fastest cars that race on Mount Monorama. Oh, yeah. And when you hit a concrete wall in a road car-style chassis, you're going to write that chassis off. Think about this. Yeah. Ferrari lost their only Intercontinental GT Challenge car before we got to qualifying. Only One hours the- after announcing that they were committing for the full year. Marvin Kierkofer, who deserved better in Juber Formula, had a horrific rollover in Q2, and this was after young Tyler Everingham's Mark Carr's Mustang got completely short apart at the front end. Bad. Very bad. And as well, RJ's number one car to stand. I don't want to talk about it. I'm sorry, we have to talk about it. The 35 KCMG Nissan, the last time we will see the KCMG Nissans, it was completely destroyed in a practice session. Um, the first I was one. Asked, yeah, the first practice session, I was asked how bad it was, and all I could say was, well, is a wheel sitting in the middle of the track bad? Yeah. Oh, dear. That's... If, that's your base, if that's your baseline here, you're off to a terrible start. But don't worry, things got much better during the race, and oh goodness, Comaletigar has crashed down the hill, and oh my goodness, Garth Tander nearly cleared the wall and took out his own teammate within the first couple of hours. Audi didn't have a good day. No, Audi didn't have a good day. Aston Martin continued to have a bad day. Le- leading from earlier, Aston Martin rode off multiple cars. I believe they only had one finish. Yeah, Tony has shared with us the uh, the write-off of uh, Tyler Everingham's Mustang. Uh, the back end of Garth Kander's car came out. That, I believe, was at the bottom, was what was left of Kierkofer's car after the rollover. Yes. Yes. All of it was not good. Yeah, Audi it, had it one lo- car suffer a broken shock. They had one car suffer a Garth Tander crash. And one car suffered a cam sensor failure. I thought it was gearbox. And it was pistons and valves getting a bit friendly. 
And just so we're all clear here to everyone at home who's not familiar with Bathurst and the Mount Panorama Circuit, all this took place in one of the three sectors on the track. Yeah, yeah. the top of the mountain is a treacherous place. And yeah, there is no runoff. If you go wide, if you have an issue, you're hitting a wall. It, yeah, your race yeah, is over. Your race is over. Yeah. It says a lot about Aston Martin, by the way, that a car with Scott Dixon only finished 16th, six laps down, was pretty much a non-factor. Yeah. <sighs> things didn't go too well for them. Um, they went better went, for a different British say, brand. Folks, it's still big boy season. Yep. <laughs> Put in the continent, back in continental, the number seven Bentley won the race. Finally. We say finally Man. because they Bentley found, has found... They've been the Dale Earnhardt at the Daytona 500 uh, at the Bathurst 12 hours. If six you can, years of trying. Six, six year, years of frustration. Yeah, any way you can lose this race, any way you can take yourself out of contention, they have done. From getting posterized by Katsumasa Chiyo and then getting shoved off on the final corner, uh, to accidentally finding the kill switch not once but twice. Oh, Jesus. And then they you know, almost... How find the kill switch twice? What the hell? <laughs> in, the Somehow same, it... in the same procedure coming out of the pits. But here's How? the thing. Oh, Lord. But here's the thing, Dre. They almost lost their sister car in practice because the throttle just stuck. Oh, no, it was wait, not the throttle a didn't stuck just throttle. Stuck. It was a wholesale brake failure. Yep. He hit brakes the pedal, failed on Oliver Jarvis. Yeah, the brakes failed as Oliver Jarvis was driving through the single fastest part of the circuit. They had to work I long hours just to get the car ready that morning, because the race starts early before sunrise. By the way, sunrise Bathurst, better than anything. <laughs> Correct. Um, and then they spend oh, yeah. all race clawing back from last to the top ten, and then Jarvis spins coming down the mountain and has to retire. Yeah, he had, oh. I believe, a, uh, a left rear tire failure. At high at speed. At very, very high speed. Very high speed. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of astounding that he got the car slowed down as well as he did. But that kind of set up, like, the last segment of the race, where it was it was the number seven's race to lose. There was a squadron of Mercedes AMG GTs ready, nipping at the chance for that Bentley to make a mistake. You know, with drivers like Raffaele Marcello and Mauro Engel and Jamie Wincup and Shane Mauro Engel in channeling his inner Kyle Busch and just bashing oh everyone out the way. <laughs> Has that man ever done a clean pass in GT racing? I'm curious no where where i told friends of the show sasha is like the only way we get maro angle to stop doing this if we all meet him in the parking lot after the race with a baseball bat yeah <laughs> but something, something something to consider though um there was rain in the forecast for the last third of the race and then it started pouring down buckets on the last lap so you're thinking surely Bentley's not going to find yet another creative way to lose it, and oh, they didn't. No, they tried earlier, though, because the Marciello Mercedes pitted and tried to undercut them. Bentley, with blinding speed, setting the fastest first sector of the race, fastest second sector of the race, and oh my god, there's a tire failure. Oh my goodness. Oh no. They came back from that. And they still overcut the Mercedes! That was fantastic. You could, 
If you watch the highlights, you could see Jules Gunyan as he's climbing out of the car, just rushing into the arms of his co-drivers, Jordan Pepper and Maxime Soule. This was the GT race that Bentley wanted to win for years, and it meant so much to them that they got the job done. Underrated performance, uh, Team 59 Racing's McLaren 720S, Ben Barnacote, Tom Blumquist, and Alvaro Parent. You have no idea. Fine drive. You have no idea. This came up during the race. The team is 59, but the car is 60. Because <laughs> they have two cars. I don't care. <laughs> they did have a 59 car, but it was not an all pro entry. But it did win its silver and- class. And in all fair, if if your team name is 59 and you do run two cars and you have 59, obviously the other car should be number 69. Nice. Nice. (laughs) They didn't think to make it nice. Uh, What (laughs) have you done? Shane Van Gisbergen. The Triple A boys. Yeah, because, uh, because Grupa M Racing were naughty boys in the pit lane. Astoundingly, Raffaele Marciello, who was a cheat code in these cars, even he cracked under pressure trying to keep up with the continent. Didn't they, like, blow a tire and then they had, like, a dumb pit work infraction where they just, they didn't switch the car off? Not their first one either. That was their second pit stop infraction of the day. And it just so happened to come with a half full of laps to go, so it would have been applied as a post-race time penalty. So they were third on the road, but ended up being dropped to sixth. Yeah, I believe it was a 30-second time penalty they received. For not shutting off the engine while refueling, which is a big... Uh-uh. No, that's a big no-no. So that means Van Gisberg and Wincup and Maximilian Gertz and his ridiculous glasses... And him having a picture of himself on the back of his fucking helmet. Maximilian Gertz ha- has a uh, picture of himself on the back of his helmet. Fucking narcissist. <laughs> I, I give it three Valentino Rossi selfie helmets out of five. Mm. Generous. Um, your boys at Porsche. Matt Campbell did so well in Super Bowl. He had it hooked yeah, up. Yeah, Matty but... Campbell broke out the belt in qualifying. Just cleared everyone by half a second, and the Porsche was dog slow in a straight line and still got pole in the end of the lap by a quarter of a second. But... Pair of tire failures, pit infraction. It happens. Uh, it happens. Um, oh, yeah, and the best thing that happened during practice, uh, the field got bunched up behind the safety kangaroo. Yeah, it's also worth noting, um, BMW did have a car in this race. What happened to it? Um, that whole thing about kangaroos on the track. Oh, not a fan, I see. No. Oh. They, uh, they hit a kangaroo. Oh, no, no. Oh, Skippy, no. Um, yeah, they, they didn't have a good day at the office. That's brutal. Not Skippy. I enjoyed most of that race. I that was a this fun always... race. And it was just really neat to just watch the sun come up over Bathurst. Like, if you're, if you're going to watch just one part of it besides the finish, watch that. I believe there's like a 30-minute highlight reel if you want to catch like a condensed version of the race. Uh, I wanted to share the highlights of the Rolex 24, but that's not available outside the U.S. because of geoblocks. Uh, but yeah, two good races that did not end up completely underwater like Dubai or last year's Daytona. Woo. Woo. So, so we can all prepare for the disappointment when the Daytona 500 rolls around this time out. 
Still be better than 2000. <laughs> Still better than 2000. Just about, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Dale I mean, Garrett. I mean, we got Mexico City Eve we look forward to. Yeah, we do. We do. We have Formula E races that will actually happen. Um, right. who, who you think's going to take that on the newly revised Mexico City pre-circuit? Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I think what will Lucas... happen is we will just keep having alternating BMWs win and retire. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Does Jeff break the streak? Also, 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 because we'll probably be recording by the time we get through the first test. We're going to have some car launches. Yes, we are. Ferrari first on February 11th. And everyone is scheduled. Williams is doing an all-digital launch because Williams... They can't afford it. They can't afford to have the car be real yet. And no sponsor wants to have... uh, wants to host their launch. And they lost multiple sponsors. So, yeah. (laughs) They're in a great place. Great team. Healthy team. Yeah, we love you, Jack Aiken. Best wishes. I'm honestly, I'm honestly just ready for people to overhype the ever-loving garbage out of what they see in testing for the third year for what seems like infinity. We're ready for Ferrari. The first, the first three races are actual tests. Ferrari's going to show off a car, and everybody's going to say it's a ten out of ten. Where in reality, it's like a solid seven to an eight. Yeah, and even rumblings out of Ferrari's own staff say that this car, um, yeah. In fact, Look, Charles Leclerc Charles Leclerc himself said, I'm okay waiting until 2021 to have a shot at the title. And that should what terrify everyone. What the hell does everyone. that tell you? What the hell does that tell you? And Max Verstappen has been talking that good shit. As he should, because we have more faith right now in Red Bull to jump Ferrari than for Ferrari to jump Mercedes. I have faith in neither. On the other hand, Alpha Tori's going to come in with a new look, and it's probably going to be pretty sweet. Look, the world's already a terrible place enough as it is, with pest, with with viruses going around, with hashtag baby nut. With questionable takes <laughs> on pizza. The pizza is great, everybody shut up. Hey, I Send. I didn't I I'm not one way or the other on it yet, and and you're already committing to it being great despite not having it yet. <laughs> there is no Which, way they could possibly screw this up. Is it? <laughs> Things said by Scuderia Ferrari in 2019. <laughs> oh, you bastards! I'm, I'm I'm wrapping this up. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Much appreciated. Um, okay, so, place you can find us one more time, we're on youtube.com forward slash motorsport101, check out the new video on the Yamaha over there, um, facebook.com forward slash motorsport101, we are on Twitter at motorsport underscore 101, our handles at Harrison101HD, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, and at cbuckley917, the running diary for MotoGP season, and much more on the blog at motorsport101.com, our website, and of course, you can back us financially on Patreon. Um, $5 gets you early access to all of our shows. $10 gets you in the supporters club of our Discord server. Our newly relaunched Discord server, which has been cleaned up a little bit, but still contains plenty of smart. And you can listen to these shows live as they are being recorded. Um, thanks everyone that's been in the Discord for that. Much appreciated. Hope you guys enjoyed the show tonight. I've been Andre Harrison. We'll be back in a two weeks' time to talk about some car launches, an E-Pre in Mexico City, and goodness knows what else. Thanks, guys, for listening. I've been Andre Harrison. They've been Cam Buckley, Ryan King, and RJ O'Connell. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. 
Sayonara. Later, y'all. Bye. <laughs> Making me wait for my outro. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> the things I put King up with to be a host. The thing they put up on Twitter with you dissing a perfectly reasonable idea of a popcorn chicken and sweet corn pizza. Oh, <laughs> bitch, I didn't do it. King did it. <laughs> there are so many problems. Number one, uh, those you need to break up those pieces of popcorn chicken. I'm sorry. Oh, Number two. That's, that's where the 11 herbs and spices come from. We have enough space As in just like, shred it a little bit, please. Number two. Gravy instead of tomato sauce. That is unforgivable. Gravy is delicious. That's the best part of KFC's condiment menu. I will agree on this. <laughs> the gravy is the be best part. With... What's, wrong with, what's wrong with a bread dough base with gravy on it? Look, look. No, let's all, just end the show. Look, let's look, just end all the we show need to now. do is just uh, convince Sergio Perez to come out of the show. No. And we can have... No. We can have... No. We can no. have... No. We not.